Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Hey, be, hey! What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is Sunday afternoon, evening. And we are live on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like button. Subscribe to this channel, whether you're watching it live or after the fact. If you are listening to the podcast, great to have you, especially the OGs. Shout out to the OGs. Shout out to the uh, new Gs as well. Thank you. Uh, five-star review. We always appreciate that. Mm. Good to real, see real you. Real Gs moving silence like lasagna. All-time line. All-time line. We are sponsored. By our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. Let's dive into it, John. Tito's Handmade Vodka. You thought you might be drinking some Tito's Handmade Vodka Sunday night for the wrong reasons. Well, there are no wrong reasons for enjoying some Tito's Handmade Vodka responsibly. Anytime you want to enjoy, you reach for Tito's Handmade Vodka. Number one vodka in America. I went, guy, and I got some diet. You know, try to be careful with those sugars. Arnold Palmer's. Yeah. The tall cans. There you go. Bought about six of them. There you uh, go. Might have had one too many uh, last night. Had a great time. Halloween weekend. Mix it with some Tito's. Eat some Reese's. Power down a Milky Way. Have another Tito's. And then you're, you know, you're having a good time. Yeah, I actually saw, I might have to get these and try to do a little uh, infusion or whatever. They make Arnold Palmer, like, chewy, gummy candy. Wow. Yeah. So uh, maybe, you know, put those in a little jar, pour in some Tito's, enjoy. Uh, look, I love going with Halloween around the corner to titosvodka.com. You can find your perfect cocktail there. You want to find a little. Uh, what are you going to be uh, for Halloween tomorrow? Uh, Tito's? Great question. Hopefully a bottle of Tito's? one pound lighter than I was on Sunday, which is unlikely. Uh, over 20 years ago, 25 years actually now, Tito's been going strong. And it's always the great stuff. We appreciate when you send us photos of you enjoying your weekend or your weekday or your Halloween with Tito's. Yeah, maybe a bottle of Tito's, John. That's a great idea. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Oh, yeah. Friends Tito's. We're also sponsored by ButcherBox.com slash ham. ButcherBox.com slash ham. Right now, you go to ButcherBox.com slash ham. You get a bunch of good stuff, including a free turkey, 10 to 14 pounds. And $10 off when you use the code HAM in your first order. Wow. Yeah, tur- Turkey Day, Thanksgiving, right around the corner. One of the great days of the year. Uh, I'd argue it's the best day of the winter when you factor in three football games, when you factor in the meal uh, as our RIP, John Madden, Turducken. You got so many options. You can hit up a bunch of different food. Always a good roll. Use a little turkey. Get a free turkey from Butcher Box. Dip in the mashed potatoes, dip in the peas, take a bite. That's what I always do. And I'm going to use my free turkey from ButcherBox this year. Let's go. Yep. ButcherBox takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Ultimate convenience. Incredible value. It's all there. We've been using ButcherBox for a long time. Now you can, too. So take the main course of Thanksgiving dinner off of the stress list. 
Butcherbox.com slash ham, giving our listeners free turkey in their first order. Butcherbox.com slash ham, code ham, to get a 110 to 14-pound turkey full free in your first box. That's Butcherbox.com slash ham, code ham, to claim this deal. Panthers, Falcons, thoughts, go. Uh, you know, Panthers, PJ Walker, uh, DJ Moore, Cairo Santos, uh, uh, Mariota, uh, helmet penalty. We all know the rule. I don't want to hear anybody whining about DJ Moore. That is not the topic today, John. No, it's not. The topic today, uh, well, there's a lot of topics today, but let's start with this. The only running backs with one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and one receiving touchdown in a single game since 1970. Here is the list. Are you ready? Yeah. Chris McCaffrey, Ladanian Tomlinson, Walter Payton. As you tweeted during the game, is this what it felt like to watch Walter Payton? That was great. I, it, that was pure sarcasm and joking around. Also, I knew I was watching like a Pro Bowl level guy in his oh, in oh. his bag, as the kid would say. And then I started thinking, and a lot of people responded to me. Now, most people responding to me on Elon's app did not watch Walter Payton either. Like like this number, nineteen seventy nine. Like if we have a listener that is. 42 years old what year was he born like do you do the math right i mean he was born after that so i do think when you factor in the other guy and you could throw marshall falk in this as well you just see this immediate like this guy that can do it all and you and i you know i think really appreciated those charger teams because like we've always talked about we went to schools in college we were there at the peak of lt's powers with people from san diego and those games were on a lot because they were really good and our guy Lorenzo Neal was on the team. So I was always paying attention, and we're just West Coast football watchers. I watched a lot of NFC and AFC West football. And at the time, the Niners sucked. Now, LT is probably the greatest hybrid of all time. I'd put Marshall right there behind him. I, I, I personally like LT more. But that's kind of what this guy is capable of doing. It's fucking incredible. He can run inside. He can run outside. He obviously can catch the ball. He can make these plays in space like those two guys. To me, it's, it's that part, right? Making guys miss. The passing TD, like, that's cool. I mean, they ran it last year against Debo or with Debo against this team. That's awesome, actually. But, like, ultimately, I do think a lot of guys can do certain stuff if they put in the position. Now, some also guys fuck it up. But to watch a guy to be able to do everything at his craft, like every element of it, block, catch, run inside, break tackles, run outside, make a guy miss, get stuffed and hop back up. And you're like, because every How time about learn the offense in 10 days, that too. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Stanford guy, remember? Schefter tweeted Stanford mind. That's right. Uh, also, you know, ran. You, you agree he play, played this way against the Panthers two weeks ago. He just did this, sorry, to the Rams two weeks ago. He just played this game against them two weeks ago. Like everyone listening, none of us beside like Walter Payton football life or some YouTube clips. To me, when I think Walter Payton or Jim Brown, I think like running backs. And the game was a lot different. Christian McCaffrey does fall under the category of Marshall and LT, right? They, they were kind of these hybrid transcendent players that were elite running backs who could also basically just turn into a wide receiver and take over games, right? And we've seen other guys. Jamal Charles had elements of that. You know, there have been other guys over the years that have that kind of pitch. It feels like McCaffrey, when healthy, is the best at it. Even better, like Kamara is an incredible pass-catching wide receiver, but it doesn't feel like he's quite as good of a running back as Christian because Christian turned into a running back and went like, is this the best running back the 49ers have had over this run? Like just running back. Yeah. And they've had good ones, including Be Debo. Between the, <laughs> between the tackles. 
right? Like that's that's where he's probably a little different than Alvin. Um, and Alvin's very good. But I think the thing that, you know, McCaffrey, one of the things that Kyle Shanahan has on his resume is he takes your Kittle and he takes your Debo. And even Ayuk I, was obviously a first rounder, but not the first receiver taken. And he like, Matt, he finds these, these kind of, you would say, gems and finds a way to maximize them. You know, what Christian McCaffrey has in common with Marshall Falk and LaDainian Tomlinson is these, these are blue chip NFL draft picks, right? These are top 10 picks. Marshall Falk was the second overall pick. LaDainian Tomlinson was a top five pick. He was the fifth overall pick. Christian McCaffrey, a top 10 pick. Like, this is not a diamond in the rough. This is not, well, Kyle's got it figured out. This is a badass blue chip, all pro level player. Matt, finally, like as a real weapon, right? You're going to give him the ball and he's going to beat somebody else because he has every skill. This is what, you know, the top, there's a difference. Would you agree with this? You scouted, you've been in the draft rooms between like the seventh pick and the fifth pick generally and the 17th pick and the 18th pick, right? In terms of blue chip guys. Typically on a given year, yeah, but obviously as times play out, like all of a sudden Justin Jefferson, right? Or DK Metcalf or, but yeah, at the time of the draft to go in the top 10 as a running back, specifically for Christian, unlike, you know, Marshall was what, like 95, LT was 99 or 2000, 2001. 2001. Yeah. Like the times when he did, it was a a pretty transcendent NFL moment. It was like, Jesus. Because like when Zeke went, it was like, well, it's Dallas, it's Jerry. And Zeke was unreal, but he was a blue chip kind of like people thought this guy was going to be like the next Ricky Williams, right? Unstoppable physical force. Christian was like, did they just draft a hybrid player at eighth overall? And is there is it still kind of debated? A lot of people believe that Christian McCaffrey deserved the Heisman Trophy that year, and he didn't get it. You know, I think a lot of people on the West Coast believe that. You know, like the West Coast hasn't had a Heisman. I don't know who the last non-USC liner or Reggie. Yeah, I mean, but that you know, the last non-USC Heisman plus S um, Stanford's running backs have historically been. You know, have had some really good years in the Gerhardt, Gaffney, yeah, Gerhardt. Gerhardt really might actually have a better case because I think McCaffrey's year didn't Derrick Henry win the Heisman, and Derrick Henry was pretty incredible that year. Yeah, so you could make the case for McCaffrey, but if you go back and look at Derrick Henry's year, it was pretty off the charts that You're season. Right. I, and I, I think Gerhardt was, actually, Gerhardt was actually, I think, the bigger snub when you go back and look. I would say Derrick Henry has aged well, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, Mariota, that's a good one. Mariota has won one since, obviously. Good call. Good call. Thank you. Missed that one. Missed that one. I mean, he's no Bo Nix, but... (laughs) Career resurrection right now. Yeah. Marcus Mariota. So, I mean, it's... You know, McCaffrey, as you said to me beforehand, and we'll talk about specifically the play, and we'll talk about the trade. There's just an element of how good this player is. He is... It's just, to me, the fact that it worked out this way, what... I just look because I'm like, I saw someone tweet that Henry was having a pretty good day. He had 32 for 220 and two touchdowns. <laughs> wow. They play the but, Texans, right? That's a pretty good one-two combo, you know, those two guys. But McCaffrey, were they, I don't even, were they in the same draft? I guess they, they probably were. McCaffrey went McCaffrey eighth. Derrick Der- Henry didn't go to the second round. I think Derrick Henry might have come out the year before. Remember, because McCaffrey, well, I may be wrong about that. Check that. Um, but isn't that a good example? Like a lot of running backs, good ones, go really late. There have been a occasional, you know, Saquon, Zeke, and wouldn't you say kind of universally when it got now those guys went two and four. It's a little different, eight, but eight's still pretty fucking high. It's like, what are these idiots doing? Don't they see the numbers? And I think McCaffrey, 
even with most nerds, we're like, well, he can do all this stuff. So it's the value is much greater than like Saquon and Zeke, even though Zeke's a really good wide receiver or was when he was younger. Now he's kind of slower, even though he's a pretty good cheerleader on the sideline today. I'm watching him going nuts hmm. that, you know, you know, you're not going to take a between the tackle guy in the top 10. But as you saw today, like ultimately why I think McCaffrey, when he's been on the field, has aged so well. He is the modern day versatile guy like the two guys we named, LT and Marshall Falk. And yeah. that's why those guys games honestly aged pretty well as they got Which, older, right? Yeah, they should have a place in any era, right? Stud. That player should have a place in any era. Fournette, somebody, uh, Austin said Fournette went ahead of Christian. I don't think he and Derrick Henry were in the same draft. Were you looking or am I? Yeah, I don't. he wouldn't have been. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, he saved their he saved their season, fair to say. Christian McCaffrey? Just, what, yeah, what I was going to say is it's just this is, how, this is how they beat the Rams last time, three weeks ago. It's just with a different guy, with Debo. So the fact that they get McCaffrey – that they get McCaffrey, obviously they had him last week, but for the game when Debo is out and they just fucking do the same thing is pretty wild. And I, I we are recording, this is Sunday right after the game. The fact that he just came to the team 10 days ago and had zero limitations on what he did offensively. I'm not going to rank it. I'm not going to put it on some tier. I'm just going to say it's one of the more remarkable performances I've witnessed from an athlete. I mean, that was, I don't think that's hyperbole given how single-handedly he dominated the game and how recently he was on another team playing against the Rams. (laughs) So you don't think, do you think it's hyperbole when a guy throws a touchdown has 18 carries for 94 yards, averages over five carries or five yards a carry touchdown. Also includes eight catches and another touchdown. Like just that workload, 10 days on the team. And like you said, I was looking at some of the comments because you text me the way I found out Debo was out. You know, because I thought they were going to kind of play this up till the uh, to the game before Friday afternoon, even though it was pretty clear when he was not practicing on Friday. It's like, yeah, he ain't playing this game, but you just push it. You announced them an hour and a half before, you right, know, you don't. Right. And they just announced out. And you immediately, like, I think probably a lot of people texting each other, like, oh, that's a problem. And then you hit me, like, is Kittle, Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey not enough? And I, I think I responded, no, I don't think it is. Well, it, in in reality, that should be enough. One of the best tight ends in the league who can also block Christian fucking McCaffrey and Ayuk. Well, you go, Kittle and Ayuk, have been in this offense, Kittle, forever since Kyle got here, and Ayuk now for three-plus years. Like, they know this guy, I think I lost touch of it today. I, I lost touch that he has only been here for 10 days. Never really crossed my mind, honestly. Not that I thought, like, when I'm watching he's been here forever, but I don't contextualize, like, God, it's, this has got to be pretty difficult to learn all this shit. And I do think when you factor in, there probably are a lot of similarities in a lot of playbooks to just some basic zone runs. Yeah, sure. You know, you, you watch just college games. I, I think the zone principles and philosophies are relatively, but there is verbiage. Like some speak Chinese, the other speak Spanish. Like there are just, if, if one thing's called bottle and the other thing's called Ferrari, like, okay, but, but bottle and Christian's old offense actually meant the opposite. You know, you just never know. So it's pretty remarkable, but also when you're watching them, I, I think we all agree that the cool part about pro sports, it's like the highest of the highs. 
there are still like the small percentage of guys that are so much better than everyone else. Like you look at Derrick Henry, just 32 for 220. Like he's one of the best running backs of all time. But we've been watching him in that uniform forever. And when he gets going, it's like Henry's going off again. Or like early in the Minnesota game, I'm watching them play the Cardinals. Like Justin Jefferson, better fucking cover this guy. You just know it. Like you know the best player on that. And then Kyler starts taking off. You're like, this little fucking guy, man, he just takes off. And when you haven't really experienced it, like when you just watch a guy in a uniform, it just it's a building process. Like you just know what you're kind of getting. Like Mahomes last week, like, oh shit, there's gonna be one. When you get a new toy, like I think that's part of last year what made Debo so cool. Debo had been around. Debo was a high second round pick, but then he just like changed positions. Like, what the fuck is this? And everyone again gets to experience like, what is going on here? It's incredible. I've never seen anything quite like it. Now, McCaffrey, we've seen guys, we literally saw Debo throw a touchdown last year. We've seen running backs make catches and we've seen guys bust sweet runs between the tackles. But what is this brand new guy that I don't want to say polarizing trade, but it was a little bit crazy. Uh, just dominate. Like, it's clear, like, who are the best players on the field today? Well, like, Aaron Donald, Christian McCaffrey, Jalen made a couple plays. Like, that's the short list, right? I mean, I don't know, like, three or four guys. I, I'm sure if you're, like, a nerd, you're like, First well, half, Trent Williams. Yeah, Cooper Cup obviously was awesome. But it was, was it was a small list. player, though? Who? No, I, mean, I said to you, who was the best? Yeah, probably McCaffrey. It felt like Donald was causing havoc for a lot of it, too. It's like, but, like, wait, Aaron Donald, you mean... Aaron Donald, Christian McCaffrey, like the Rams' best players going nuts and the Niners' best players going nuts, and they literally just acquired him in 10 days. And isn't that when you make trades in any sport? In basketball and baseball, you get more time, right? If I if I trade for a guy midseason, I get a lot of games, and I, I get to go through the ups and downs of some strikeouts, but some home runs. In football, it's like, it better have, like, this game matters a lot. <laughs> you know, like, I need you, and I desperately need you once Debo is out. Yeah. So to me, to answer the bell, with 19 just on the sideline, Aaron tried to tell that story about Debo and Jed. I didn't even quite follow. I was like, what the fuck? What? what? Did you hear Debo that? thanked <laughs> Jed last week for getting Christian. Oh, that's... That was the story. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think what was... You know, don't you think Debo should thank Christian today? Because when you get paid all that money, a huge part of that is like the obligation of we are, we're paying you a shitload because we really need you, right? I, I I'm all in like Derrick Henry. You're the highest paid running back. We ride you 70 times a year. AJ Brown. We traded a first round pick and then we gave you $60 million. We'll fucking ride you like secretary. It's like Debo. Part of the contract is like, we can't afford you to be MIA. Like we are desperate for your contributions. That's why we're willing to give you all this money. Even though you could nitpick like, is he a great route runner or whatever? And listen, it doesn't bother me. I take Debo on my team, but if he now, who knows? Like, let's just say he misses a month. Like, no Christian McCaffrey. It would have been a disaster, right? They would lose today. You know, I was thinking during the game that if if Kyle Shanahan was a baseball manager, he'd be like Bochi, right? If you want to go 147 pitches, like, he would leave you in for 147. 1,000%. He would bring Bumgarner back. He would do all of those sorts of things. Was it Carlos Santana that threw that, like, 190 pitch and was never the same after it? Am I getting the name wrong? Remember there was a dude on the Mets? Uh, who was older? They went yeah, like well, 160 yeah. pitches. Yo, yo, Johan. Johan. And it just ended his career kind of. <laughs> Lincecum had a really long no-hitter. And I remember a few years ago for the Yankees, um, who was the guy from uh, the Cleveland Indians? Uh, CC? Uh, not CC. Uh, not Knable. And Kluber. Kluber had a really long 
no hitter or no hitter attempt. And then was not the same the rest of the year, but you know, it's, it's like, it's, that's taxing. It's, it's really hard. And it's like, if Debo is Bumgarner in the playoffs in 2012 against the Royals, right? That's how you kind of treat him all the time. It helps him. If you have another version of him that can sometimes pick up the slack for you, because it's hard to be that guy for, 18 weeks in an NFL season and then a postseason, then career year after year after year. And, um, you know, Debo's season last year was a, a revelation. It was incredible. But Christian McCaffrey's had that season before, too. Christian McCaffrey had the revelation, incredible. I can't believe we're watching this guy do this year back in 2019 when he, he became got paid. third player in NFL history to have a thousand receiving yards and a thousand rushing yards in the same year. Roger Craig, actually, one of the other three. Um, but, you know, like I think part of watching him against the Rams today was, oh my God, he can still be that guy. That guy is still in him, you know. And where he fits Kyle is that he does for being that dual threat guy. He runs his ass off between the tackles. He is a yak bro immediately. He does not go down. The catch he had early in the game where he catches it kind of in the flat with his back. He catches it facing the line of scrimmage. His back is to the defender, and he just has the feel to know I'm going to go this way inside. Defender goes by, breaks a Jalen Ramsey tackle, lunges, gets the first down. I mean, it's just the thing about him, right? Is that like for all the stuff he does, the individual stuff he does is not in and of itself like spectacular necessarily, but it's just every single time he touches the ball with the exception of a couple touches, it's just seven yards, you know, or you're not going to tackle him on the first or second try is that he he just does everything very well. Yeah. Would you say there's an individual thing that he did today? Where you, I mean, yeah, he made some great play. I'm, I don't want to go down that. I, I would say, I would say his balance on contact and balance slash like uh, ability to stay square going vertical and not like, he's not a big dancer for a guy with moves. He, he and he was never. Yeah. And for a guy with moves, it never feels like he's going backwards. You know, like when Tyreek will bust out, Debo will do this too. They'll just like kind of cut back and be like, because they kind of got the Barry Sanders, like I'm going to make something out of nothing. He he goes vertical. He gets downhill. And for a guy that, see some of those aerial shots of his hair? Like he's. <laughs> uh, we've been tagged in several, <laughs> several tweets, John. Yes. He was, he was having such a good day under no circumstances. Was I going to make fun of his hair? But I did notice. And I started doing the math 26. You know, he's got bald by 30 written all over him. Even though I saw a headline development potential to save hair uh, is breakthrough. But I think they've been saying that probably for 50 years. But yeah, he is just. Uh, He's clearly probably not as high end like we saw it again today. I don't. I don't think it's high high end speed. He's not as fast as he probably was three or four years ago. But you know the most overrated a- attribute for a good running back is that you do not need like I, I'm not depending on you to get seventy yard runs. Yeah, thirty yard runs are fantastic. Today they had that twenty five yard run. A twenty five yard run feels is a massive deflation to the defense. <laughs> Right. It is. And I would say first down runs. If it's first and 10 and you gain a first down on your run. That feeling for Kyle Shanahan, for Kyle Shanahan too, the power of a guy that can run the ball is it's clear when you look at the trade, like his value, a running back's value. Part of me making the Walter Payton joke, like 
Kyle would have been interested in making a lot of the, you know, like once upon a time, Marshall Falk was traded to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I saw a headline today because he, I'm sure, is getting asked a lot about the transition as that type of player for Christian McCaffrey was like one thing he thought when they traded him to St. Louis. He's like, the Colts thought they were going to suck, which in fairness, like, yeah, they had been shitty. So he's like, they were basically trading me to a, into oblivion where the Panthers just traded for the highest value. Like I listed the asset, whoever was going to pay the highest freight, I was going to trade. And I heard some people say would crappier teams, could they have offered a little bit less? And uh, it'd be interesting to ask a GM, like if you get an extra pick, like if it's a third and a fourth, but someone offers you like a second and a fifth, or, you know, if you just start balancing, like, well, this team's a little shittier. If you try to play that game, is it really hard with, 10 games left in the season. You're talking you about always take the, the, value value. Of the, the value of the pick or to keep the player from having success and making well, for, look for example, like the Rams, they just didn't have the fourth round pick. So their offer, the Niners could just trump it, which they obviously did. But if I offer you a second, a third and a fifth, and I go, God, I'm watching the Rams. Even if I give them McCaffrey, like they could end up six and 11. Like, oh. They got major flaws. Yeah. Or I take the Niners and I go, well, if I trade them there, like fuck, they are. They got guys coming back from injury. They they could win this division. We know then they could win a playoff game or two. And all of a sudden, even if they go ten and seven, that twenty first pick can turn into twenty six pretty fast. That feels like a, a dangerous game to play with. Not dangerous, but just pretty hard to nail. That's what I'm saying. It, it'd be yeah. it'd be really hard to th- like. You could overthink that October twentieth, right? Yeah. Uh, apparently, Kyle Shanahan said, quote, no injuries to report. That's awkward, but I don't have any to report. <laughs> well, one thing I when the Niners are right, and, and then I, this is why I think it's so frustrating for people and people get so mad is because when it's right, it looks so good. And we've seen so many examples over this the last couple of years. Right. Hell, I, I would take, you know, the Cowboy playoff games like God, when these guys are just fucking come ready to play the talent. The cream rises, and Jimmy can just manage, right? Jimmy, now today he was more than that, but like their talent is immense. Like you said, they can't win without McCaffrey, Kittle, and Ayuk just because they're missing Debo. Like that's, look around some of these teams. Like how the Panthers are, I, I understand that played the last couple of weeks, you know, the Bucks and the Falcons who aren't world beaters, but you watch them, they got good skill guys. DJ Moore is a good player. Some of their running backs aren't Brad. They ain't Kittle, McCaffrey, and Ayuk. And then you factor in like Debo. Does he come back after the bye? Can you buy a week? Who knows? I mean, I think the is the game they play off the bye, the Chargers. It's just yeah. it's, you're gonna have now Mike Williams, I think, had a bad ankle sprain this last week. So we'll see where he's at in a couple weeks. But you're gonna have the advantage skill position wise against them, right? I mean, you just well. If you had drafted offensive players from this game, maybe Cooper Cup goes first. Who goes second? McCaffrey. Who goes, third? Who goes fourth? Who goes fifth? I mean, yeah, the Kittle Niners might have Trent Williams. Like the Niners might have the next four picks after Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup may not go one. But yeah, you're right. It's because you see this that the times it doesn't look like, as you said to me before we started, if the Niners were playing the Texans today, would they have scored thirty one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they lost to the Bears. They lost to the Falcons. They Well, it's weird. Like, once the game ends, you go, is that result shocking? 
and based on when Christian McCaffrey's been healthy, he can take over a game. So not really, but like when you factor it all in, I I can't imagine being alone that after they, you know, they get the ball coming out of half. It's 14 to 10. And I, I would say, you know, listen, you would sign up. It kind of got a little weird in the first half. It felt like at any moment it could have been like 21 to 10, but you're down 14 to 10. McVeigh, weirdly, after they had sliced and diced D'Amico, waves the white flag at the end of the half. Somebody tweeted me like Niners had two timeouts. He didn't want to give it back. And I'm like, I, I would I would roll those dice, giving the ball back to the Niners. Because you know what Kyle's going to do? Sit on it. Yeah. I, the only thing I could be thinking is Stafford's thrown a lot of picks this season. Can you afford a tip ball, a pick six? He hadn't got close to throwing a pick so far in that game. He looked pretty trustworthy, yeah. To me, that that's the mo- the uh, point in the game where Bochi would have been like, my pitcher is humming. I know his pitch count's a little higher, but it's six inning. Like, he's a minimum going to cut. Like, you ride Stafford right there. You're paying him $45 million, and they didn't. So then they come out of half, which I would say got a little lucky based on the way McVay played that thing. Easily, they could have gotten a field goal range the way the game had been going. So it could have been 17 to 10. Then they just, they not only go three and out, it was an embarrassing second and third down. Play clock, calling timeouts, illegal motion. It just like, what the fuck is going on? It was was the timeout. Then it was the Ramsey almost picks off Jimmy at midfield. Oh my God. He was almost just too close to Jimmy. The only reason he didn't pick it. Came out of nowhere. (laughs) And then it was the delay a game slash, you know, the right guard is, Burford's looking back for the snap, and Aaron Donald runs right by him for the sack. Uh, and has, it, has Burford done that twice now in the Rams games? Has I, it, I don't think the last time it was because he was looking back. I could be wrong. Not, not looking back, but it's happened on him twice where he's gone untouched. Aaron Donald direct has round blocked, yeah, once <laughs> per game against the Niners. So I, 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 not saying I waved the white flag on my couch, but I internally had kind of passed on this win. Like, I'm just like, they're going to lose this game. They're going to be three and five, and it's just going to be a long week and a half. It's going to be ugly. Like, I just, how could you not have? Like, where, where were you at when that moment happened? You're like, this, this fucking thing's over. Um, yeah, I did. Because I've they've been that. so lifeless for a couple right. weeks. You know, for them to like, look that bad coming at this, specifically, they just had the whole half to plan for that. I thought, well, out of the locker room might be your best drive. And it wasn't right. It was really bad. So um, now, you know, the drop pick, you thought, okay, maybe you dodged a bullet. I mean, you did dodge a bullet. But then when they got, when they finally stopped the third down of the Rams, the next possession, because the Rams going back to the first half had, had hit six straight third down conversions, six straight, six straight. When they finally blitzed and got to Stafford and sacked him and then forced the punt. Uh, you thought, okay. Yeah. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get ButcherBox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you 
free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But the one thing I knew was that there just aren't going to be, you can't get down two scores because there's only going to be two more possessions in this game probably, right? Well, First before, half, each team got three possessions. Well, exactly. And before we probably get to the play that changed the game is that there was a play that might have somewhat, I don't want to say save the game if you knew the Niners had that in the bag, but at the time that it happened, I didn't think the Niners had that in the bag. McCaffrey gets blasted by Jalen Ramsey. The ball pops up. And for whatever reason, Ray Ray's like laying on the ground, is looking up, and it falls right into the fucking guy's arms. That play, even at the time, I went, that kind of felt like an omen. I'm like, that's pretty crazy. You can watch football all day long, Saturday and Sunday. The ball popping right up. It's one thing if a guy's right there and it kind of falls into his arm. He's on the ground, and it fell right to him. And he, he's kind of looking at it. Like, what if he was looking the other way, you know? What are the chances of that play that a ball pops up? One, there were several Rams around there. And two, there's a 49er on the ground, aimed that way, falls into his arms. That was crazy. That that play will not be discussed because of all the sweet shit that happened after. That fucking play was nuts. That play was nuts. And it felt like they finally were catching breaks. You know, they've had some bad penalties this year. Bad penalties went against the Rams in this game, right? Late hit out of bounds roughing the passer. I thought on the sack, maybe when they finally got Stafford, maybe there was a brief face mask. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, Jimmy got face mask on the one. Remember when Jimmy he was talking? Face- yep. Yep. So sometimes you just, it's, it's the, the way the ball bounces, John, the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Let's talk about, so that drive. So the drive that the Niners got the fumble recovery from Ray Ray. And this, you were saying earlier about first down run plays. That drive was, at the 12, it started with Ray Ray McLeod taking the ball to five-yard line and returning it to the 12. Then they hit Tyler Croft for six yards on first down. Then Ayuk makes a really good catch. Jimmy threw it too low. That ball has been dropped before or been incomplete before. 
Ayuk makes a really good catch. Look yeah. lower in real time when they showed the replay. It it was more catchable than I thought. Okay. Nice play, but it was limited his yak. But yeah, good play by all. McCaffrey then has the the run that Ray Ray recovers. Then the second down, dump down McCaffrey for fifteen. The Niners. The theme here is first down, first down, first down. Ayuk for eleven. Jeff Wilson explosive run. First down. Jeff Wilson stop for a loss. Second and eleven at the sixteen. Nothing really happens. Uh, actually, no, they picked up like nine yards. So the first third down of that drive with the Niners trailing 14 to 10 at the end of the third quarter was the touchdown throw to Christian McCaffrey, which was the throw of the year right now for the Niners because there were 155 left in the game. Now, what would they have done if they didn't pick this up? I don't know. They might have gone for it, actually. But the one thing everybody watching the game knows, John, is what? You cannot go to the fourth quarter trailing or you will not win the game. So getting the lead in the third quarter was critical. And um, there, there are a million elements of this play we can talk about. I, For those of you watching, if you're listening, I've put up just a still shot. Under, if Go back and watch the play. McCa- First of all, Garoppolo was tapping the ball, tapping the ball, patting his feet, patting his feet, patting his feet, looking, 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 looking. McCaffrey's in the slot. They need to get to the six-yard line to pick up a first down. I thought as the play opened up that what was going to happen was McCaffrey was just going to stop at the 10. Jimmy was going to throw it to him, and it'd be McCaffrey one-on-one with a DB in the flat. And then you just I, – I, that you would take your chances with that play, that McCaffrey's going to pick up the first down, maybe score a touchdown. but Like your typical NBA play with 10 seconds left, get it to your best player and let him kind of go one-on-one. Right. How many times do you see just McCaffrey's a safety valve on the play, and the play was there to be made? I'll, I'll be honest, when the play started, because in my mind, I'm already thinking, like, Kyle's kind of a puss. He's going to end up kicking the field goal, and they're somehow, like, I'm not going to feel great about this game, even though they got, they're got they only down one point headed into the fourth, was they'll probably run the ball, and they came out in kind of a spread formation. I was like, damn, this is, this is ballsy. Now, Jimmy had been playing well, but I thought, if I tell you they're in that position, kind of describe to you the game, and especially Christian had been having a good game, wouldn't you think a run play might be called, even if it's like an outside pitch or just kind of get him in space, get Kittle out there, get Trent Williams out there? That's, to me, especially what Kyle has done with Debo in these situations. Especially after the interception last week in the red zone against the Chiefs. Also thinking that too, yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was really ballsy then. And for those of you watching this video right now, you can't quite see McCaffrey. He's under the, he's under the 14 on the screen, under the score bug. I thought since the safe play there was Jimmy dump it down, I thought it was a couple things. A, really ballsy that McCaffrey made a break for the end zone. B, really impressive that him and Jimmy were on the same page there because he could have easily made a break for it as Jimmy is throwing it to the flat. C, a really ballsy throw by Garoppolo. When the ball was in the air, I didn't, I did not have the uh, beautiful mind kind of math trajectory in my head like, how is that ball going to drop where Christian's about to be? But then Christian rose up, John, rose up from the ashes and brought in Christian dating a supermodel, Olivia chance that, you know, over the last week, you know, not just at the facility. Maybe she says, hey, Jimmy's a bring him over. Some of my friends are coming over. They really want to meet James Garoppolo. So maybe some extracurricular time, just Mm. natural chemistry of life. You just it's one thing that, you know, that eight to seven, you're at the facility grinding, getting ready for this right, game. But you right. add those extra couple, maybe a beer at night, maybe sure. a cocktail, maybe just maybe those two guys don't look just, like, yeah, they you know. live the same life. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's a good call. 
they've been living in their own little realities and it's the same reality it turns out 100% what did you I mean but what do you think of this play third and well, two you, you do not think off. that he was throwing it to Kittle no I don't I think he, because he's looking at Christian in the flat as this play unfolds I don't I'm not running the video here but as the play unfolds I, to me I think he's throwing it to Christian but there was a play obviously early in this game when uh, Jimmy underthrew Ray Ray McLeod and I think at the moment that happened, even though it wasn't the greatest throw, every single person is going to blame Ray Ray for trying to be Willie Mays and catch it in his stomach when there are two DBs right in front of him instead of just high-pointing the ball. And high-pointing doesn't mean you end up catching it, but you just attack the ball in the air. Right. That everyone was thinking, because I know I was, cut Ray Ray McLeod after this game. But just high-pointing the ball does two things. One, it gives you the best chance to catch it in traffic. Just coaching point one-on-one, high school football to the NFL, scouting one-on-one why you want wide receivers that go attack the ball. And two, then the ability to do that is another thing, right? It's one thing to jump. We all can, some of us higher than others, but then to catch the ball, he looked very wide receiver-like when he made that play. Because it's one thing, right, sweet running backs, if you just throw it to them on a wheel route, can leap and catch the ball above their head or whatever. It's another thing to me down the field in stride. It's just not something that position is consistently doing right? You're usually getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage, even in the passing game. That, that Those plays positioning your body, right? Especially in the end zone on a 20, 20 yard pass, technically wherever Jimmy was, might not have been that far. Maybe it's 15 yards in the air. Uh, Is, line, yeah. Oops. I mean, look at that. He looks like fucking AJ Brown or something right there. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, so you're right. It was like, you know, it was probably, it was more than 15 yards in the air for sure. Okay. 20, 25 yards. Like that, if I just, if I remove that number and just put, that that looks like Dwight Clark or Terrell Owens. I Just pl- doing that. Like that's not a natural running back. Both feet down easily. Yeah. I, I can't, I, I can't even blame him. There was a play. What game was I watching earlier today? Oh, it was a Raider game. And uh, the game was still, I would say, somewhat in the balance. Maybe it was like 17 nothing. Lukoff was on his deathbed dehydrated. He's like, turn on the Raider game. And, Dal- and Dalton throws this potential pick to uh, Trey Morg. I might be saying his name wrong. The second-year guy from TCU is a good player. And he oh, catches boring. the ball in the air toward the sideline. But you can tell it's not a natural thought in his mind to like get his feet down. And he's just – his first foot misses. It hits the white line. The second foot – almost misses the entire white area and hits the other side. It's like, and I, and I, I was thinking, you know, in fairness to this guy, how much time at practice can you just train your safeties to get their feet down? Like we got to master the coverage, knocking down balls. Like you, you wouldn't practice things that are so far out of what I'm actually going to need you to do. And I do wonder if Christian has just cross trained for so long now yeah. that that has come so natural to him because that's not a natural how many running backs would you ever see? If I'm Christian McCaffrey, guy, I, honestly, if I, I'd get a poster of that, that's a sweet pick, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That's a badass pick. Uh, that's a poster worthy pick. It but really that is. isn't that history a poster worthy pick of wide receivers? Yeah, that's what I think cool play. Son of a wide receiver. That probably helped. And his brother's a wide receiver. His, his other brother was a quarterback, so he. Earned receiver. I think one of them moved yeah. to receiver, didn't he? So it's, it's not like Max Christian. McCaffrey was on the Niners for a minute. I remember that. Um, and the throw, we got to you got to give Garoppolo credit on the throw. 
unless you're not convinced he was throwing it to Christian, but I, I'm pretty sure to me, I, I did not think he was throwing it to Kittle, but it was a hell of a throw. I saw it was a really ballsy executed play by Kyle by loves the McCaffrey. They, it's kind of crazy. He had multiple, like Andy always said, like, we need a, we need a Mormon on this team, guys. We just get a guy from BYU. And, and Roseman, Lurie, and Banner always liked, you know, this was the anti-Kyrie. We always liked to have, you know, a guy of Jewish descent. When Jeff Schwartz, I remember, <laughs> I kind of, I don't think I gave him the best grade. I don't know if I've ever told him that. I, I think they wanted to get him. And that obviously wasn't my decision, but they liked, can you always find a Jew? Hard, hard. That's why when Schwartz was, you know, in the mix, right, especially coming from a Power 5 program that, that, Lurie and Roseman and Banner were all over him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they'd watched him play a lot. You're right. Yeah, I mean, we were rooting for him to. I mean, I. Yeah, I don't think I was in the draft room his draft, but uh, there had to be some people pounding the table for him. Hell of a play, third down. So it eliminated a fourth down decision for Shanahan, and it was there was an easier, simpler, less risky play to be made, and both Garoppolo and McCaffrey, with ten days together, decided not to make that play. And to make this play instead with the game on the line and the season on the line. And um, that's pretty incredible. I would say this too. Their season, because they just come off the bye week, so they have the one less game, they're three and four. Like they have the opportunity next week to get right back to four and four and kind of end Tampa's season, even though Tampa's season probably wouldn't be over because the Atlanta Falcons are in first place. But like that was a massive game for LA too, right? Yeah. I mean, they win that game, they're four and three. They're right there with Seattle. They've split with the Niners. They got to be feeling pretty good. I, I think the other thing that would do, and who knows, by the time you're listening to this, maybe they've already done it. They'd even be more inclined to make some bold trade over the next 36 hours. Cause that's, I would say that would have been a lock if they would have won this game, right? All of a sudden, the Rams have traded their second, third, and the following year, second for Jesus. They got who? You one of those. D- who's in that category? DJ. Well, Mara? I don't, I don't even, I was trying to say the I'll name. Mara. But, yeah, but if, you know, I don't even know that they would, they might get a guy that you wouldn't even think, you know? Oh, but now are they less inclined? You'd still probably say probably not, but I don't think they are, but yeah, it's just, uh, this was a, uh, it would have been Christian McCaffrey saved the Niners from that, that three and five going into the bye would have felt like, honestly, guy, you might as well be one and seven. That's what it would have felt like. Right. It would have felt really, really bad. Especially because the Seahawks won today right so the Seahawks are five and three I watched a lot of that game I had it on my second TV they're not just and I say this about the Giants too the Giants just have much less weapons like they they just have one guy and it's their running back Seattle's pretty just solid like Seattle I don't think obviously they just beat them now it's a long trip for the Giants Seattle's a better team than the Giants like I think Seattle guy sneaky kind of real like their quarterback is not bad, and it's not like fake anymore. Like you watch Geno Smith, you go, "This is." We've all seen now the Teddy Bridgewaters, the Sam Darnolds, the 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 guys that are like this guy's not a starter. Like Geno Smith, you watch him, you go, "That's a starting NFL quarterback." Now I don't know Sandoz tiers if we did it right now exactly what number he would be, but he's like I'm watching the guy, and you're definitely going, "He's not bad, right?" You can win games with him if your team's playing well, and he's throwing to DK and Lockett. So my point on this is. I don't think they're going away. Like I, I, they're going to be their coach is good, right? Last I checked, he wins a lot of games, um, and it doesn't cost them one hundred fifty thousand dollars in a bag to give your backup running back uh, in an apartment. Did you see that Lindale White? Uh, I did clip? see that Lindale White. Yes, 
Uh, I was like, God, I thought he was giving out more money back in the day for the USC teams, but a hundred thousand, one fifty, one fifty. Somebody told me the story the other day. Uh, they were buddies with a Anna, high Anna, co- Anna car. Anna car. He was driving a brand new Lexus. Was it his or was it a lease like all the NIL guys now? It's a great question. I just probably is to- my <laughs> guess. Because if it's uh under the table deal, you can't be like, now remember, you have to return it in three years. Not, like, no, bro, this is an under table deal. My car now. I think I just hand him the keys. <laughs> yeah. It's, here's you put your name on the title. Um, Before we get to uh, a few more things here real quick, let's address some people here. Carl says, can we agree every time Kittle gets the ball, it electrifies the crowd and the team? Yes. You know, we had a big catch at one point when he hadn't touched the ball yet in the game. I think Kittle makes a big block. It electrifies everybody, too. Well, because his big block usually leads like a 15-yard run. I think 15-yard runs for the 49ers are the equivalent to like other sweet teams, explosive, like 30 yard passes. It's like, okay, here they're coming. Right. That's what it feels like. Cause when they're not getting them, it feels pretty devastating. When the Niners can't slash and gash you, it feels like that's going to be, it's going to be a struggle tonight. Well, third and tens are just terrifying, right? For them. Uh, Cisco kid. Why do we trade all that for running back? Try quarterback wide receiver running back. I mean, white Debo, as John said, Uh, Lucas says, Aaron banks quietly becoming very dependable. I would agree with that. Just Niner sneaky. We'll see what the Giants can hold on to this, but like, I do wonder if the six seeds also up for grabs. They're technically the seven seed right now. And the good thing is, like the Giants and Commanders, like the Commanders are also four and four. The Giants are one spot ahead of them at six and two. Those teams play each other, you know. So it's like, and the Cowboys and the Eagles still play the Giants. So I, this was big for the Niners. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that would scare you is like. You I'm the goal is want- to win the division, but my point is it does feel maybe those six and seven spots are going to be a little more open than I think we maybe thought. Yeah, could be. Now, Tampa and Green Bay is where, we're, you know, Green Bay is not playing on Sunday Night Football yet. You kind of just want Atlanta to go win the South and you beat Tampa. You don't want to end up with like Atlanta continues to have some solid year, wild card team, head-to-head tiebreaker comes into play. That would be a devastating scenario. Now, there's a long way to go. Let's see Atlanta have the same record as the 49ers. But, you know, that's one one thing I'm looking at after today. It would have been good for the Niners if the Panthers had beaten Atlanta today, and they didn't. Yes. I agree but, they, but, but they play Tampa. So, you know. Now, here's the thing with the Giants. Like, their next two games are the Texans and the Lions. The next – Texans and Lions for the Giants for the Giants wow. and they still got multiple games against the Cowboys well do you want to know what's going to happen in the Lions game well I mean the commanders yeah it'll be a tight game with three minutes left and something weird will happen at, in Detroit and they'll lose the game and Dan exactly. Campbell will be flush red <laughs> exactly and the Lions will almost win but God this is the most exciting one and nine team I've ever watched <laughs> they, they are though they really are. It's like you need Dan Campbell to coach them for three and a half quarters, and then you bring in a closing coach, and he just closes out the game. They really are. I, you I, let I've Dan run them the whole week. You know, you let Dan have the week and the meetings and the first first three quarters, and then somebody else comes in and just coaches the fourth quarter. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this is, you know, the Rams play a bunch of tight games. You know, today was technically tight until the fourth quarter. Like games like that where they just don't have enough, they're not as deep, and they they have a seven and ten, six and eleven season. But they're really not a six and eleven team. Here's the problem for them. Dan Campbell and Detroit Lions have their first round pick. So it's not like, well, you know, they could 
what if they made some trade and end up getting Will Anderson? Like, no, they don't have their first round pick. The Lions are going to be like, they're drafting one and ninth. I, I, I do wonder if the Rams are a little more likely to be a six or seven win team than 10 at this point. I mean, I, I do still think they have. Uh, it's hard to judge them coming off a Niner game. And I know that coming you're off not, a bye, though. I know. I know. I know that. And I know that you're not like they've had their they've had struggles. Everyone is ta- no one is surprised right now that the Rams are in this position. If you've watched them, they've just had their struggles. But they also have lost eight straight games to the San Francisco 49ers. Like, I still think they're good enough to be a 500 team. But I'll give you one. Like, this upcoming week, they're playing at Tampa, which is obviously a big game. Big game. Well, at Tampa now is coming off that short bye, right, because they played on Thursday night. And it's kind of an easy one for Tom and Todd. Like, one, we've been shitty. We've been losing. These guys knocked us out of the playoffs last year literally here. You know, so it's not like just a big game because they're two big brands now with Tom versus yeah. the Rams. Like, this, they did play last year for a lot. And yeah. Yep. The Rams won. And honestly, we're kicking their ass right until the fumbles start happening. Yeah. I, I do just – could they lose that game? Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gammon says, before the start of the season, I stated the Seahawks had the best draft in the division, and you guys disagree. Still have the same stance? I can't say I remember that conversation. Forgotten um, about it as well. Kenneth Walker's been a baller. I'll tell you that. They had their two tackles are their are two rookies. That's pretty impressive. Cross and Abe Lucas. Yeah, that's impressive. It's a hell of a draft. Um, I don't know if you can officially declare them the winning the Russell Wilson trade, but I think it's borderline impossible for them to lose it. So I think you can officially declare that they won the trade because of the contract extension. But part of you know, Russell was, it was, he was getting contract extended. So it's like, well, we ain't keeping you. You don't want to be here. Like, yeah. whoever you traded him to, it's weird, right? The money, it's not like, well, they didn't have to do it. Like, he was getting extended with whoever traded him or traded for him. He could have been, whatever team traded for Russell Wilson would have given him that exact contract. And I'm saying by, by avoiding the extension at minimum and getting yeah. something for him, you've kind of won the trade. Not just getting something for him, these first round picks now, right? You're getting starting tackles and you're getting depth, which they really haven't had. And then you watch them, you go, they had Geno all along. Like, do you think they do they get credit for knowing, like, we've watched this guy in practice? We, we thought he was pretty good because I, I will give well, them only credit if you don't think they were serious about Drew Locke. Well, I think it's one of those that when you're a GM that you really like Drew Locke in the draft, but you also were cool with Geno. Yeah. Gino being a high-level guy, obviously, probably just gives him a chance a lot of places, right? But he clearly is skilled. Like, he's physically skilled also. I mean, Gino having, like, a uh, a record year? No, I was going to say, oh. remember Rich Gannon resurrected his career, like, at 32? Like, it's pretty rare that a guy becomes a 32-year-old. Maybe. I mean, the fact that he... that he Rich won an MVP, so That it's he not. plays with those two receivers and the running back gives him a chance. I think it's too early to say that. He uh, thirteen touchdowns, three picks. Wow. I mean, he's on he's on pace for twenty six and six. What's his completion percentage? Seventy two. Wow! If they won eleven games, that's Coach one of the, the more year. improbable stories that I remember in a long time. Yeah, it would be, especially in a division with the coaches and the quarterbacks. You know, with Kyler, with Stafford, with the Niners. Because here's what I'm saying: like when you watch him throw the ball. 
the ball comes out of his hand. A lot of backups are like, I see why this guy's a backup. His yeah. ball, like, God, you see him just rip that? Wasn't that the thing that somebody said to him in a press conference? And they were like, well, he's like, well, you obviously haven't seen me throw. Were they talking about his arm strength or just his quarterback play in general? Is that the one where he said I didn't ride him back? No, that was the post-game interview <laughs> after the Bronco game. They wrote me off on the line. Yeah. Like, can, we, like, can we just talk about the McCaffrey? I mean, there's other stuff to talk about besides Christian, but, I mean, again, McCaffrey had an incredible day. The trade itself for a moment, you know, a lot of times during a game, a team scores and they'll cut to the coach or they cut to the owner's box. But they were cutting to the Niners' like front office seats today because they just traded for Christian McCaffrey. Like that's why they kept showing John Lynch and Adam Peters and the Niners front office is because they just traded a bunch of picks for Christian McCaffrey and to double up on it. They did it to keep him away from this team. Well, did it hit you today that if for whatever reason it had reversed yeah. and the Rams had got him and they didn't it just obviously, I mean, as the game was going on and he became, Walter Payton meets Marshall Falk, the Niners not only don't win, I mean, do they get their ass kicked? Like they they what would maybe they maybe I'm not positive he has the same game for the Rams that he had for the 49ers, but when you just factor in removing what he yes, had and 100%. that Debo was gone, totally. what would the fuck would they have done? <laughs> that's that's like what would they have done, guy? So just for this game alone, the trade was I mean an incredible trade. I mean, it's just it's like it, it had to happen. Now you could argue that if he can just stay healthy, it's impossible for this trade to fit. like this year is going to be a royal hit. He's just such a good player. And to me, that's like I think we have the evidence now. Like he's an elite player when healthy. And I let's call a spade a spade. Like he's been a little out of sight, out of mind. People haven't fucking been watching him. He's been playing for the sh- one of the shittiest teams in the league. So part of the deal, like I- I'm sorry if you're a great player for the Orlando Magic. Or the Minnesota Twins, that might be a bad example because the Twins have been decent. But like, No, it's the, a good example. Whoever. Like, Unless you want to wa- break down Carlos Correa's season for me. Yeah, we just ain't watching you play. Like, No no one's watching Marcus Simeon play for the Rangers. No one gives a shit. So, God, I hope Judge does not go to Texas. Oh, that would, I, I wouldn't mind it for Bruce, but, but you know my yeah. point. Like, We yeah, just I don't do. watch shitty teams. We just, especially smaller market shitty teams. So he is really, and he's been injured. So I think part of it, and I'm guilty as anybody, oh, injury plagued, 30-year-old running back. And then you find out, well, he's only 26, and no one has watched Matt Rule coach besides people that live in Charlotte and, and play in that division, or if your team's playing the Panthers. So then you watch him, you go, God, this guy's still really good. And then you kind of understand, like, why would, why did the Rams and 49ers truly want him so bad? Because they're first justifying, that, like, when he's on the field, he's dominating. Because I don't put that much stock into the one game, the showcase game. To me, because I've seen these conversations when we would get in a room with the Eagles, like it was based over a body of work. When you're acquiring a guy, like what's up with the last two years? You know, like can we trust that? And you and I went through the injuries, right? There's a big difference between a hamstring and someone falling on your ankle, right? So you got to kind of you do the due diligence, and then part of it, it's a little like gambling, right? I mean, if you hit, she's showing a six. Or she's showing oh, that's a bad example. If she's showing, you know, uh, uh, a jack, like, and you think she might have 20, you got a hit on 14. And you might get a seven and she might flip 20 and you get 21, you fucking win, or you might not. That That is part of trading for players when you're making an aggressive trade. Like, do you see the Eagles? He, he 
they're not even eating that much. Like the Bears are paying his money. They gave a fourth round pick. Their fourth is that's a pretty low risk trade. Like that's if it works great. If not, they tried. Like whatever. To me, when you start throwing second and third round picks, like that's in the NFL circles, non like Jalen Ramsey, Jamal Adams, Khalil Mack trade, like in season second and third trade, like that's a very, very aggressive trade. And you're just doing the due diligence. Like with Christian, you don't have to worry about the character stuff. So it's just based like the play, the injuries. And then there's just part of it like, I don't know. I mean, he could get injured on the first play here because someone falls on him weird or he stays yeah. completely healthy. Like there is just an element of unknown in the sport. Which is you either have the balls to play in that unknown or just like status quo, just keep the picks, which I think would have been very easy to do. Like if someone told you that day, you know, he went to the Rams for a second, third and a fifth and the Niners just couldn't put in the four. Like they didn't want to do it. I'd be like, you know, I get it. I would have supported that. I I really would have. But would have hurt if he had done that to you after you chose like the Rams didn't choose not to get him. They just could not do it. Right. Could not do it. But my point is, like, at the time, I would have supported it. Ten days later, I would have been like, you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> because we have more information. Yeah, but but we don't have all the information yet, right? This is just one game. Um, you needed this game badly. The season still has to play out. His career still has to play out. But isn't it a but double right whammy, too? Like, this is what you – this is what you – when you make the argument to make the trade, this is the argument you make. If you and Alyssa went on, like, a week vacation – and you rented a car. When that rental car girl or guy goes, do you want the insurance? Isn't your first reaction like, you know, we're not going to drive that much. I'll be careful. That's always mine. Like, you know, I just. And usually your really insurance or your credit card has like other insurance that covers it. Do you usually say no? I always say no. Because my, my car insurance covers it. Oh, it does? I bet yours does too. Or your okay. credit card might. A lot of people's credit card covers rental. Well, shit, I didn't know that. So that's a bad analogy. But let's just assume it didn't. If you do just randomly get hit, it would be it would suck, especially if you're just like some random average car. You're like, fuck. Well, part of the value today was he was immediate insurance for their best skill guy being injured. Who right? who has been hurt before? Who's been hurt before? So the insurance policy that like, yeah, do they wanted to pay that premium for the insurance policy? Probably not. But when you factor in your injured star, or just like you said, he has been injured before, and then he ends up getting hurt when Christian joins the team. The value doesn't even look as bold. Because I think part of the question would be, and I know I asked this, is like you draft all these running backs, and Debo kind of plays running back. Isn't it kind of overkill? Like, is this necessary? And then you immediately see a week later, like, yeah, well, twofold. One, most teams, it wouldn't make sense trading for running backs. Even hybrid running backs, they would not be able to use them. The 49ers are very, very dependent on running backs, right? They, they just are. They use the position of guys behind the line of scrimmage. And then there is the fact of injury prone. I, I would throw Kittle in that too. Like at any moment, some of your best skill guys could miss games. Like for example, when the Chiefs just traded a third round pick for a guy that was drafted in the first round a year ago. Right, he's in his second year in the league. Most teams are like, I wouldn't fuck with that turd. Terrible character guy. Well, Andy goes, I got a long history of messing with speed character guys in my career. So if any team is going to be able to handle it, it might not work. You go, that actually makes some sense, right? If it's going to work anywhere, that would be the spot. That wouldn't work a lot of places. Half the teams in the league wouldn't even pick, wouldn't even inquire. I think the moment those two guys got the job, it was like, 
Tony's on the block. And then like obviously couldn't find a and Andy probably didn't even want to do it necessarily, but like as the season went on, maybe Sky Moore's not ready. Maybe they're like, screw it. We already we were interested to begin with. Let's just do it now. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the 49ers are like, they already missed a couple games with Kittle. They've already had, you know, a million injuries just in general, that you could never have enough weapons. Because that is kind of the Rams' downfall right now. You and I talked about before we hopped on is like they cannot run the ball. You and I are Fresno State. I mean, you're more loyal than me because I turned off the game last night and somehow they won the game. I actually missed the ending also. I saw it later. Okay. I I root for everyone from that program. They have a special place in my heart. They changed my life. And Ronnie Rivers, like I watched a decent amount of Ronnie Rivers over the years. Not in a million years did I think he was an NFL player. I mean, like probably practice squad level. I thought, you know, great college player. One of Robbie Rouse, who's near and dear to my heart, who's now coaching at Cal Poly, I thought was a better college player. Now, I bet Ronnie's a little bit bigger. Is basically the starting running back for the Rams now. Ronnie Rivers. Ronnie freaking Rivers, which is awesome for him. Congrats. Like, dude made it to the league and is playing for the defending Super Bowl champs. That's also pretty nuts. If I told you that Ronnie Rivers, by the middle of the season, was Kyle Shanahan's starting running back, you'd be like, God, they got problems, right? Yeah. Yep. And the Rams have had, I would say, since the Gurley debacle, weird things happen at running back, and they've tried. They traded for Sony Michelle. They drafted Cam Akers. And it's all just a disaster. It is just not – not only can they not figure out the running back, like it's just like an empty black hole for them. Ronnie Rivers is – I bet if you polled every single college scout that went through Fresno over the last 12 months, they would have been like, listen, I, I, I gave Ronnie Rivers like a camp grade. Like we could bring him to camp. He's a good character guy, tough Fresno State kid, but he's not an NFL player. And maybe that's maybe I'm down. Maybe I'm being too negative on the guy. Maybe he's closer than I thought, but I I, I do think it's more their desperation at a position that I mean, it's listen, I understand he throws it a lot more than a lot of the Shanahan guys, but it's pretty clear. Like, what do the Shanahan guys really value? Like just some solid running back play. Brees yeah. Hall, uh LaFleur's got all these running backs. Help. Sean McVay kind of came became Sean McVay with Todd Gurley. Kyle with a seven million guys and his dad. So Christian McCaffrey might have really helped them. <laughs> I think what makes him also special is that he is it's fun today to talk about, and it's true. I mean, the similarities between kind of how him and Debo are Swiss Army knives. But I think the thing we always talk about with Debo is as a receiver, he's not AJ Brown. Or DK Metcalf, right? He's different than those guys. He's or a different ter- category. Or Scary Terry. Or Scary Terry. Christian McCaffrey is a very good running back. Like, he ran the ball 18 times today and had eight catches. Debo's never even gotten close to running the ball 18 times, which is fine. I mean, I, you don't want Debo to run the ball 18 times. But he's never gotten close to 18 carries. Nor should he. I, the one thing I think is, like, you do eventually – I, I don't know if need Debo back to play him with Christian, but he would really help a lot to have him back because in the ideal world, McCaffrey is not replacing Debo Samuel. They are complementing each other and taking pressure off of one another Um, because 26 touches for Christian McCaffrey is risky. Now on this day, 120 pitches, whatever it takes, whatever it takes on this day, you got to buy coming up. I do think 26 touches for Christian. I would not want to have to play like that every week. I think that that would be bad to have to do that. That would be bad to have to do that. I'm in agreement there. So um, 
I, you know, I think you're right. As, as long as he's healthy, it's going to be hard for this trade to fail, but his health is part of why some people, why, why we, that any skepticism about the trade is mostly because of an injury history. Um, and 26, now you're right on the first, on the third carry of the game, somebody could twist your ankle. It, it may, who the hell knows, but 26 touches, but, but, is a lot of touches. but I would say that that kind of represents what Debo represented last year. Yeah. It was a little bit out of desperation more than that's yeah. the game plan because they wouldn't have to. Cause if Debo was in this game, even if McCaffrey was humming as he was humming at minimum, Eight of those touches are going nineteen. Ways. It's interesting, right? Like they're they're you think you can't have enough good players, but sometimes it's like, well, I just is there such a thing as trying to get the ball to too many guys? Today there was no messing around. It was okay. Our best players are getting the ball, right? Well, I wrote that give, down. I, I thought that was let's talk about. That. I, I give Kyle a lot of credit on that one. Is it, it felt like he was just had been out of sorts, out of rhythm. I I think he'd had a bad couple games relative to his standard uh, as a play caller. The offense was just something was off. And this is before McCaffrey. Like, you shouldn't score 14 points against the Atlanta Falcons with Kittle Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel. Like, that, that should not happen. I, I don't quite understand, and I know he saved the day in a weird way today, Ray Ray, with the fumble catch, why he plays as much as he does. And part of it, I guess, is that position – you can't just run routes all day. You need some breathers. Like, you do need some. It's kind of like there's a reason Nick Bosa doesn't play every snap. Like, you do have to rotate guys. And Ray Ray obviously can do more than Danny Gray can. I mean, yes. the catch he had when he got just blasted by Taylor Rapp was pretty impressive. That was a nice catch. He One thing you would give Ray Ray, even on his returns, he's not scared. Like, I feel like he kind of blows shoulders, like goes up. Like, he's not hesitant as a return man. So, I, I do get why coaches would like that his mentality, but like Kyle was not messing around. He was feeding Ayuk the ball once, like even Olsen mentioned, he's like, oh, they're playing a lot of soft coverage here. And he's like, it's pretty clear. They're going to Ayuk, Ayuk, Ayuk. They ran some plays for Kittle. Uh, they, they met, they did not mess around in terms of like part of the mentality coming into this game was we're going to shove it down your throat with McCaffrey. And obviously Wilson, they kept four tight ends up. And part of it is like, well, is that because two tight ends kind of equal juice? Like we need multiple bodies. Like one guy could get broken at any moment, taking back like Bobby Wagner. Fullback. Yeah. So I I just think that he came in with the mindset of we're going to ride McCaffrey and we're going to throw Kittle and we're going to throw Ayuk the ball. And I think sometimes throughout this year they've kind of it might be Jimmy's rhythm. I I don't know, but Kyle's kind of I don't want to say be the smartest guy in the room, but just overthought it a little bit. Like you watch Andy last week against Kyle, like it actually wasn't that complicated. He's like, I'm just going to throw screens when you're going to get up. I'm yeah. going to, my fastest guy on my team, I'm going to hand it on end rounds. And then we're going to feed Juju and Kelsey the ball. Like this isn't that complicated. We're not going to f- try to force feed our third or fourth wide receiver down your throat. And maybe it became easier when, you know, like Juwan Jennings and Debo are just gone, right? And, and basically, once Christian gets there, you're like, no one else, Ty Davis Price, you're not getting a carry today, buddy. So he, he didn't even have, you could argue sometimes with so many players, you kind of, you do overthink the menu. We're like, you would say the history of like Mahomes and Andy over the last four years, like you watch them play. They basically just throw it to 10 and 87. Yeah. Right. And they sprinkle in some other guys, but it's like, where do you think the ball is going to go? Well, I watched the tight end and I would watch Tyreek Hill. And this is what bothers me about the first half against Cooper cup. 
it's like I just know how hard coaches work and how much time they spend. And you could argue sometimes the hard work is a little overkill. Like you don't need to be at the office 18 hours because I know you spend all this time game planning and then the game starts and they're just throwing it to 10 every fucking play. And I'm not acting like he does it to everybody. So he's clearly a great player. When you're a great player, you're going to get yours. It's not like people go into the game like, how? I wonder who Mahomes is going to throw to. Of course they think Travis Kelsey. But, like, how can you have these plays where he's wide open consistently? I I can't fathom that. It, it was crazy. It was like, what are we doing here? If we're a defensive staff, who else is beating you? If Allen Robinson's going to beat you, I'll tip my cap to him. Especially Higby got banged up. I, I don't get it. And Kyle had the mindset. Him and Sean were just like, we're just going to feed our horses. And D'Amico clearly did something at half that, you know, slowed everything down, and McCaffrey just kind of took over the game. Uh, to your point on Ayuk, though, and I, the irony is they've lost the last two games. 11 targets uh, against Atlanta, 11 targets against KC, 6 targets against the Rams, 83, 82, 81 yards, 3 touchdowns. Um, He's been really good, but I don't know that he's been any different than he's already been. He's just the same guy. He's That's a sweet player. Kind of the beautiful thing about Ayuk is that you can ignore him for a while, but when you need him, he'll be there. Because it feels like definitely early in the game, he he and Kittle were both getting ignored in the past game. How many catches was, does he have today? Eight. He has six today. So he has one yard. So he has thirty-eight on the season through. I guess eight games isn't the halfway point anymore. I mean, he's on pace for. Uh, I got him at thirty-two. Well, he was on th- at thirty-two through seven games. Did he miss a game this year? No. So you're saying that? So maybe the totals haven't. I've, this box score ESPN has the Rams game on it, but maybe it hasn't added up at the bottom. Yeah, I have looking at his wiki stats. It says okay. seven games, 32 catches, three touchdowns. So, so if you add game. four touchdowns, 38 catches, I mean, he's on pace for eight or nine touchdowns and 85 catches, which is a very, very good year with not exactly playing with the top 12 quarterback, right? Not exactly. <laughs> Did have a top 12 game today, though, I thought. I, I um, you know, to your point on Shanahan, yeah, he did. Jimmy did. But to your point on Kyle, like he just, their first drive, they missed the chance, right? The first drive was the Ray Ray McLeod deep ball. And I thought like, I, I feel like I was watching the same game again where they miss opportunities to score a touchdown and it kills them. But what was different this week was they scored in the red zone. Touchdowns. They scored touchdowns in the red zone. Three. The Rams had only given up four red zone touchdowns all year coming into the game. And the Niners scored three red zone touchdowns. And, you know, part of that is just Jimmy. Like Jimmy made two pretty incredible red zone touchdown throws. The one to Kittle was also gorgeous. And the one to McCaffrey was very good. And then the other red zone score was McCaffrey running it in. But that was a big difference in the game. Like in just how the how the play calling felt was cool. Running a bunch of plays between the 20s is great. But can you score in the red zone? And today they did. And part of that is, uh, you know, Jimmy just threw an interception last time. And this time he threw a touchdown. But I do think Jimmy's pick last week was partly on Kyle. Um, well, I don't think that was just Garoppolo. Because Garoppolo, wasn't in, he wasn't in a position to throw it away. That would have been a grounding last week. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. Like I, And maybe it makes it easier when you got McCaffrey. But it, it felt like there was quite a bit of variety. They never... I could be wrong thinking about it. I didn't feel like they ever got stuffed on back-to-back plays. Like, they'd get stuffed a couple yeah. of times. But they didn't get stuffed on back-to-back plays. It didn't feel like at, hardly at all. And that's been happening to them a lot, right? Because they try to establish the run, and if you go run on back-to-back plays and you gain one yard, 
you're at third and nine, you're thinking, oh, this is a disaster. And they were consistently, and this goes back to what you said earlier, in manageable situations, more than manageable. I mean, they, they were playing, I mean, at times, Canadian football. I mean, they were getting first downs in two plays. And to me, if they're going to be potent in the red zone, which they should be, even though you watch them, you know, with Juwan not there, minus Kittle, they are not, their weapons aren't tall, right? Ayuk, and when Debo comes back, and McCaffrey aren't size mismatches. Like, you watch A.J. Brown's touchdowns or D.K. Metcalf when he gets touchdown, he has the size advantage, like throwing an alley-oop. There's one thing, like, any guy, John Morant can get an alley-oop, like, on a, just by himself. Only so many guys can get alley-oops in traffic. It's usually power forwards and centers, right? And there is something to be said about, like, the touchdown makers. Hopkins had a couple plays today. DeAndre was like, Jesus Christ, because he's just, he's a big target. And he's actually probably not as tall as you think, but he plays long. CD plays long. Obviously, most of these tight ends, including uh, Kittle, play long. But, like, if if McCaffrey can play long like that and Jawan Jennings is a big body, they just have some more options. Plus, what makes the Niners scary is they can get the perimeter now with Debo yeah. and McCaffrey going a couple different ways. You can but widen I, the field because McCaffrey can beat guys one-on-one. Yeah. And you have to account for him in that's, a pass game. I, that's where I would say, like, Cooper Cup feels like a pretty good red zone target. You know, he's probably right around 6'2", but it feels like he's a 6'5 target, right? You can throw and they do a great job. Yeah, but they didn't do it today well, but they do a great job with him throwing the ball over his shoulder to the pylon yeah. and just him, like, falling to the ground, catching balls an inch off the turf. That feels like a pretty consistent um, touchdown for, for the Rams. But you mentioned D'Amico. I mean, here was the second half. 58 net yards for the Rams. Cooper Cup, no catches in the second half until the score was 31 to 14. So he did not have a catch in the second half while the game was close. His first half was seven catches and it felt like uh, half of them were wide ass open. So D'Amico was, and you had a good tweet in the first half, I thought, which was uh, something along. I don't remember exactly, but it was like Andy Reed and, and uh, Sean McVay are slowing down the D'Amico Ryan's hype train. Well, I think I think I said the hype train has come to a screeching halt. Oh, okay. Well, the, the, I mean, people say it; it's a cliche, but it's just it's a game of adjustments. And it felt like that's why people were so mad in the first half is you hadn't adjusted from the Kansas City game to the Rams game, but they obviously adjusted from the first half of the Rams game to the second half of the Rams game. That D'Amico came back swinging in the second half. Why? Well, someone had tweeted at me one thing D'Amico said, and a lot of coaches say this right after you get your ass kicked: burn the tape. Some coaches actually literally burn it. You know, I mean, we've seen Cup tape buried, right. and the and the person responding to me was like, "Well, D'Amico burns the tape. Sean McVay just copied the tape. Shouldn't you want to merge, meet somewhere in the middle? Because the one thing the Niners are pretty susceptible. And Olsen said this in the first half. He's like, "God, it feels like Sean McVay is running a lot of screens, quick. You know, kind of like fake one way, dump it the other way. Well, why is he doing that? Because the their fucking linemen are flying up the field. So even if you just if you get the pass off, you are getting eight, nine, ten yards minimum. And luckily, the Niners' safeties, they tackle well, and their corners tackle well, so you're not getting a lot of 20, 30-yard plays. It's like the Rams' running backs are not able to Not take as dynamic, yeah. but they also run the screens to the, to the tight ends. It felt like they kept kind of the wide receiver would, like, curl back. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were doing a lot of, in his version, Andy Reid-type stuff, and it was like, guys, this is not going to be cool. And then they would just run plays like – Guy, you can't just single coverage Cooper Cup, and I, I it's like, well, what do you double coverage? This isn't like uh, 
this isn't basketball. You don't just put two guys. Well, I, I'd try that. I, I would take it like the punt, you know, and put two guys on them and see what happens because whatever you're doing is not working. So I know that you worked 90 hours this week. You had 17 tins of Copenhagen. You, you, you ate, you slammed 18 diet Cokes and you had seven total meals for the week. But like your team does not understand what you know. Like I've told them to do this, but it ain't translating. And it's, it's not even close. It's not even close. Now, the good part is Stafford's games against the Niners, even when he's been good, he doesn't do it the whole game. Because it felt early on, it's like, God, Matt's, is this like a four touchdown? Is this guy's just slinging it? And then it just kind of, it dwindles. It dwindles. Because he, early on, it was like, he made one throw on their, uh, on the, he, the, the, the drive that he ended up going John Elway on the helicopter for the touchdown, yeah, which was yeah. pretty sweet. That was like a, it felt like an 18 play goal line drive, even though I think it was like 17 total plays. I don't know how many long they were on the goal line, five or six that they called pass interference on Charvarius. Cause he, I mean, he was, he was absolutely holding, I think Cooper cup, but Stafford like threw the sidearm underneath. I mean, it was a sweet pass and he hit him in the hands. Like he kind of dropped it. It Greg was Olson like, made the point. I thought the same thing is that he was throwing it into the dirt, but somehow he like got underneath the ball. And so the ball rose, you know what I mean? Like it looked like he was throwing it away when a guy drops down like that, he's throwing it away, but he like flicked the wrist. And so the ball actually came up out of his hands. It was crazy. Don't you think it's just arm talent from him? like he yes. has the ability to do that? And I would say wrist talent because it, that arm angle is a, I'm throwing it in the dirt, but the ball, if you watch the angle, when it's from behind the receiver, the ball like comes up out of his hand. It was, I, I don't know that I've seen a throw like that before. Yeah. He also had the throw to Allen Robinson on the wheel route on Jimmy Ward on that possession. That was a long drive. That was a 17 play drive. It was first down. Uh, they had Ambry Thomas in there. He got called for the hold on Skoranek. Then it was another first down. And that's when they threw the fade uh, on Charvarius. Didn't get it. And then it's a third down. And Charvarius gets the PIs. They had two PIs on that goal line. Yeah. Uh, Amber, Amber Thomas got the other one. Um, but uh, but D'Amico, you know, and then the thing with the Niners is if they're just, it does feel like there's their pass rush comes around in the second half, especially obviously if they've got a lead. But even before they got the lead, just their their pass rush, it felt like they kind of weathered the storm of all the screens. They felt like we're not going to get killed on them. Because they were getting their blitzes. It felt like D'Amico was dialing up a blitz at the wrong time every time in the first half. Their, the, the, their first drive in the second half, after the Niners had their classic, like, do nothing on their first drive, and they punted. This one, I thought they were in trouble, right? It's 14-10. The Rams get the ball. It's third and five. D'Amico dials up a blitz, and Stafford throws that dime to Allen Robinson. Yeah. Across the middle for sweet first down. I was like, oh, my God. Are they going to drive? Is this going to be 21-10? That's going to feel insurmountable. And then they ended up, you know, with getting sack. a field with the sweet they, sack. Yeah, when the their sack's humming, 97 is flying like a Ferrari off the edge, and they are twisting and stunning the other guys. They're coming all different angles. <laughs> you just watch their pass rush. Like every other pass rush, when they're taking over, it is guys like doing gymnastics around each yeah, other. Yeah. It's like, where are these guys coming from? Yeah. And, and 97, just he just gets an edge to himself. The other three guys... I don't know if they're freelancing. Obviously, I mean, they practice this stuff, but it's like they kind of know once they kind of get a weak link and they maybe they have things that set guys up because it just – it can overwhelm you. And when the Niners pass rush is right, 
the quarterback disappears, doesn't he? He just like all of a sudden it's just just O lineman, D lineman, and you can't, and then all of a sudden the guy goes down. And honestly, sometimes guys start jumping on. You got to be careful. It's like they might. Yeah, I know. It it also it felt like in the first half, Stafford was getting rid of the ball so fast they just couldn't get there. And on that play, he just the ball didn't come out as quickly as it had been coming out in the first half. And and then once they got that sack, you could just kind of breathe a breathe a sigh of relief. And then the Niners score that that leads to the McCaffrey touchdown reception to go up 17-14 and then they got a three and out after that John the next possession after that they got a three and out and they got uh well I guess that was the sack sorry earlier we were talking about the play before I said they got a sack they did not get that sack yet the sack came after the McCaffrey reception but they did get a stop with the blitz on third and 6 um on the possession we were talking about a second ago Stafford just threw, he there was nowhere to get the ball to yeah so that sack came a little later, and that's when you really, really felt good. So I, you know, I I thought D'Amico, he lost a lot in the first half. He gained it because you know we hadn't really mentioned it, but they were down a lot of guys on defense. Oren Burks is out there running around. Ambry Charvarius was in and out of the game. Diamador Lenore was one on one coverage in the end zone. Um, obviously Armstead's still out. Greenlaw's out. So they they were down guys on defense also. You know, Josh Norman. Josh Norman out. Thank God. Do you want to guess if I told you Jimmy Garoppolo? Have you looked at the box score? I don't know. Jimmy no, Garoppolo, I, I 25 pass attempts. Okay. 25 pass attempts. How many completions? What would be your guess? 20. 21. I'm no math major guy, but that's above 80%. It's very, it's 84%. That's pretty good. No picks, although we'll have to check the PFF on the interceptable passes. There were one of them two. would have been a lot harder than the other one. I thought Jalen just decided a couple weird things. Like I, I don't think he was just kind of sitting there. It felt like usually he he was like playing a Hufunga role. It felt like on those two plays, didn't he? Yeah, he was not <laughs> yeah. playing corner today, was he? No, he he was he was doing some weird shit. That that play, I mean, he's probably ten yards away from throwing a strike. Like it's probably not an easy play to pick. Yeah, no, it's not. You're right. But, but it had been hands. It was it. bouncing, and it yeah. was the bouncing one could have happened last year. Remember in the week 18 game, a bouncing one, and he, it's like the one that just hits the helmet, hits the ground. You, you, it happens so fast, you can't get rattled. The bouncing one, your heart stops. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he made, you know, I mean, like, I don't think we talk about, we talk about Garoppolo's game every week. And I thought one of the reasons that that, that throw to Ray Ray was not a touchdown is because Jimmy just doesn't, he does not lead fast guys or the faster guys, but he did hit the open Dwelly and Dwelly was just like, I am catching this football. I'm slowing down. I'm turning around. I'm catching this football. Whatever happens afterwards is gravy. I am not a yak, bro. I am just here for the catch. Uh, but the throw to McCaffrey, the touchdown, the throw to Kittle, the touchdown, which ended up looking very difficult. There were just some really good throws from Jimmy Garoppolo today. And I think generally, you know, we've talked about this before. I, the same game here or there with a dropped pick or a pick or whatever. But uh, Dan on the stream says they just uh, highest completion rate by a Niners QB since Steve Young in 97. The Anthony says 11 touchdowns, four picks for Garoppolo so far this year. Um, we're not here every week to relitigate what we think of them, but that was a really good game when they had to have a really good game from them. 
He's like your classic, uh, you know, if he, if he was like your kid or your wife or something, you just get in these fights and you go, I, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, like you watch Jimmy Garoppolo in a bad game. You're like, I, this is this is not sustainable. This thing's about to get ugly. And then he just ropes you back in. You look, you just like that. That that was high level quarterback play. Eleven and four, like he's having a dramatically better season than Derek Carr, who makes forty million dollars. Think about that. Dramatically better season. He makes six and a half off the scrap heap. Nobody wanted him. Now he's a roller coaster ride. We've all acknowledged that. Now you could argue Kyle is too, but like their highs are pretty high, and that is why it's hard to quit them. <laughs> Well, it's hard to quit him because you just you couldn't, right? Yeah, but I think it's easy. The situation was so bizarre, and they didn't kick him to the curb because they've had some high moments with the guy, like really high. Like honestly, guy, when that morning game ended, I, I do believe. Now I don't know the team, but if you tell me that Derek Carr is traded before the deadline, I think it would be on the table. I don't think it's impossible for that not to happen. And because the quarterback play. You can't function with poor quarterback play. Like it's, it's not possible in the NFL to sustain it. Right? I know the Giants won some games. Like the Patriot game today was such a lock because you just went like, "There's no way for four quarters this kid is going to be able to just circumvent Belichick." And what happened? All of a sudden, I'm just watching on red zone, and like they kept breaking back. Like his second interception, his third interception. Like there's a chance Zach Wilson never gets a high high. Because when you win games, they like did have Daniel, a pick stick on Mac Jones called back. Well, I'm not. A, I think Mac Jones stinks too. No, no, but, I know. I'm just saying, like that could they could have won the game with that. But but my thing is like Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, some of these guys, and I'm not putting Derek in this category. I put Daniel Jones there too. They've been winning. Like when I win despite you all of the time, and then we also lose a decent amount, and you are shitty in that. It's like what the fuck are you bringing to the table? But if I win despite you. But yet a decent amount of the time or half that time, we also win because you're making sweet plays. You're playing high-level quarterback. And then we lose because you play shitty. We have bad games. Those high highs build a lot of equity to the fan base and obviously to the people running the team, which for the most part, good teams, I think, are on the same page. Usually the fan base and the coaching staff, I think, for good teams, you might disagree over a player or two, but ultimately Ray Ray doesn't matter. Like, I... I you think of the same thing, like what you think of Javon Kinlaw being a disaster deep down there thinking it too. They just can't publicly say it. Right. But like your highs and lows with Jimmy probably reflect Kyle and John's and they live to play it. Like we know what we're getting like bullshit. I mean, you, you want to leave him in Nashville, Tennessee when he throws the two picks, just like everyone wa- that watched the game. And just like tonight, if you saw Jimmy Garoppolo out in fucking Christian McCaffrey, you buy him around. <laughs> like that was incredible boys. Cause that was incredible. Like, if you watch football long enough, you just know what sweet looks like. I thought Jimmy's pass, his last touchdown pass to Kittle in the corner of the end zone is one of the best passes he's ever had. I would say the most important pass he's ever had by far was last year against the Rams, the outstretch hand for Debo Samuel. And even that, all three of those passes on that drive. Like, it's just two-minute drive, no timeouts, playoffs on the line. And, like, that's the biggest moment the guy's had in his career besides, like, the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that... It would have devastated the whole franchise. It would have been a disaster. And he saved everyone. He, Jimmy, like you just, Kyle couldn't do anything on that. You're just calling deep breaking routes. And Jimmy just stepped up and made plays. And he's made sweet plays that that uh, Saints game where he probably had his best statistical game in the history yeah. of his career, which in 19. 
Yeah, but I thought that pass today, you could even include the McCaffrey pass today, but the Kittle pass, like those are beautiful passes. Which is part of the reason he drives you nuts because you're like, why can't you do that more often? Yeah, I think one thing he didn't do today, and this is one of the reasons it was one of his better games, is he didn't miss the throws they had that, right? Often he misses throws. Do well, you have to have, which most quarterbacks do. Like most quarterbacks that play in the NFL can sometimes make the throw that he made to Kittle today or sometimes make the throw that he made to McCaffrey today. If you had him run that play 10 more times, I, I don't know what his completion percentage would be. But today he made both of those throws, right? Over the course of a season, like I don't – that's why I don't I don't care much for like if you took the way he played today and put it over 17 games, you'd get X. But, you know, consistency and – performing and showing up every day like that's part of the difference between the really good guys and the average guys and now jimmy we always try to figure out where exactly he fits in that whole spectrum but i think one of the things today he did not do he made plus throws like plus plus throws he also didn't make that many minus minus throws and i'm not even talking about turnovers like often there was something schemed open and they miss it that happens in every game right yeah, and that didn't happen. It happened a couple of times. The again, I thought the Ray Ray throw was like this is part of the deal. It's like those deep balls just get th- that should not be a challengeable ball for a defender, and it became one. Ray Ray had him beat, but whatever. Like he didn't have that many. He hit a bunch of throws today. Um, the times that he tried to buy time to make plays, he made plays, including that throw to McCaffrey. But yeah, I mean those two touch throws were. I put the McCaffrey throw in the same category as the Kittle throw. It was just, it was fantastic. And you're right. Like the reason Josh Allen and Mahomes are those two guys is because they make that play literally more than everyone else consistently. And when Rodgers, right, is humming MVP style, like he makes that thing. Most guys do not. Right. Yeah. I I don't, I don't care about the thing you can do once. Like that's it, it. At least, I mean, I care, but don't tell me, Oh, a guy could be great if he did the thing he did once 17 weeks in a row. It's like, well, yeah, the three guys do that. Yeah, that's it. That's not. It's like, that's not not. That's well, like, why? Thing. Why is everyone saying like Geno Smith's having a really good year? Because he's kind of every time you watch him, he's just playing solid, right? You just if you play solid NFL football every single year as a court or every single week as a quarterback, and you have some talent around you and a good coach, like you're going to win ten games. Like you're just going to win ten games if you just have a solid season, twenty five to thirty touchdowns, eight to ten picks. You have a good team and a solid defense. Like your team's going to go to the playoffs. Like that's a fact, right? Your team is not going to be under five hundred. Now maybe you go nine and eight and miss the playoffs, by, but your team's going to be solid. Like you will not be bad. So that's why the 49ers have just been really competitive because they get the good and the bad. So his good is like they're going to win. It is good games. They're going to win most of them. Yeah. And his bad games sometimes they're lucky enough because their defense is good. Right. If they could just get consistent, Jimmy Garoppolo, like they could rattle off. Five of six games, right? Well, yeah, but what won them the game today from Jimmy was not 84%. That you don't duplicate that, right? A lot of the what won them the game today was the winning plays when you had to have winning plays. I mean, it was both. I mean, 84% is hard to beat. Yeah, it was not throwing picks. Not throwing picks, but just winning play. He made winning plays. Like, I think there are games where they have to manage around him. And the play calling is always going to be that way. But today, on a the McCaffrey play to me, John, was just that play could have gone either way. You run that play 10 times, half the time it's not a touchdown. Today it was a touchdown. I agree. When they had to have it. Had to have it. Uh, Pete well, Carroll. The, 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 the Kittle play was clearly schemed up for George because George was wide open. Like right? you said, it wide open when you throw it is not wide open when 
No, because the, cause the DB game. breaks off the underneath guy. It's it's a hard. It's probably an easier play to execute slow lower you know like the 50 yard line right because if you do get behind them you have more room to play out like you are there's a finite like it ends at the white line like he has to he just kind of has to hug the line it's a perfect example of like why it's harder sometimes in the red zone oh you want to hit a few other things that happened today yeah is there anything else in the niner game that we haven't talked about i mean without going through like well I, I, i do think it was they went 10 and 7 last year with Two and four in the division. Now, obviously, two of those wins were the Rams games, but two and four is a terrible divisional record, even for for any team that's going to be above five hundred. I would imagine when we have five years of data for the seventeen game seasons, any team above five hundred will probably at minimum be three and three in their division. The, the odds, if you go two and four in the division, what you have to do outside of the division the rest of the season, like that especially because like, wait, you can't get up for your own divisional teams. Like you're going to be beating these random teams, especially uncommon opponents. They're already three and oh. So if they just split with Arizona, they're going to be four and two, right? If they just get one more win of their next three games, which not ideal, but like put them in pretty good shape because they already beat Seattle like four and two, you would sign up for four and two at the start of the year, every single year in your division, I think. And they're in position that, like, I don't know, five and one is out of the realm possibility. And I think we talked about this over last week, and you and I have definitely texted about it. Like, Arizona's a good shitty team with Hopkins back. Like, they're 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 kind of just scary. They're not your. You don't look at playing the Texans and playing the Jags the same as playing Kyler and Hopkins. Hopkins is a problem, and, and listen, he's mopey. God, he's mopey. There is. I not saw today a, when they cut to the sideline, he just. Now he, he, he a couple of times they did cut to the sideline. He had just thrown interceptions. Yeah, but in the history of of civilization, relative to forty five million, so whatever forty five million was in the history of civilization over the years, there has never been a more unhappy super rich guy. <laughs> I mean, he is the mopey, lethargic, despises energy. Really do. But little fucking guy can make some plays. It's I, weird. I like it's like he. It's sometimes you watch me think, does he hate football? Like, would he rather be playing baseball? But then, but then you watch him play, and it's like, no, nah, I think he likes this. He likes running around. You know, I was looking. I think he. I mean, he threw for three touchdowns today, and three hundred twenty yards. Like he does make plays. <laughs> He's better than a guy should be if they don't enjoy it. But sometimes he just looks like he doesn't enjoy it. And he averaged six yards a carry. I mean, he's. He, I saw a couple plays today when it was just some guys chasing him, and you just know he's not going to get him. No, he's just not getting there. <laughs> no. Sorry, bro. I've seen this before. Not going to happen. Uh, Pete, we mentioned this. Pete Carroll's five and three. A Raider game, John. Raiders uh, got their asses kicked by Dennis Allen. Even Vic Tafer tweeted like this. Like he tweeted something today that. Clearly, Mark Davis and Dennis Allen really like actively do not like. Each well, do you other. remember the story? They didn't talk. Yeah, I think his last like twelve months on the job, they never said a word to each other. Like it was a mutual hatred. Mutual hatred, yeah, mutual hatred. Like Dennis, it mattered to both of them to beat the other guy. Well, the Raiders did not cross midfield until there were three minutes and fifteen seconds left in the fourth quarter of their blowout loss to the. Uh, they they got shut out. Shut out, which is a zero is 
in an NFL game. Road, road game. Road game. In New Orleans, 24 nothing. Andy Dalton. Uh, Jared Stidham came in and threw for 72 yards. Gutierrez was all over. They had another uh, post-game meeting, the two of them, the owner and the head coach. So this is now two in, I think, four games, two and three games. Josh McDaniels and Paul and and Mark Davis had a post game. Had, had another one of those uh, lengthy chats, which is to me one thing at home on the road is just weird. Like, can we just get on the plane and get home, and maybe we can just talk Monday, Mark? Fly into Florida. They're spending the week in Florida. I think. Okay, well, can we just get a get a conference room and we'll talk Monday? Like, what do you need to know right now? What do we have to talk about? Unless it's the. Do you think it's inconceivable they get traded this week? If he had, if they hadn't just got beat twenty-four to nothing, I would have said no. Um, but I don't. In, you asked inconceivable. I do not think it's inconceivable. It would still surprise me. I'd fall out of my chair. But I don't think it's inconceivable. If he were just traded, more than likely would be a decent to bad team. Do you think there's any chance that he would just quit? Because he said over and over, the only team I'm ever going to play for. Would that be pretty crazy if he if they I tried to trade him? He just claimed no chance, but I I don't see it. No, I don't think that would happen. So if he got traded, let's just pick a team. Texans. You think he still plays? Doesn't go. I mean, the Texans are pretty unique, right? Given how bad it went for his brother there. Colts. I, no, what doesn't? No, doesn't quit. Colts. I mean, good running back. Good, you know. No. I I think they have to contemplate. This is not. But what are you getting? Play. Are the Colts going to do? Is Jim Irsay now? Maybe you know Jim Irsay just watched his golden boy, Sam Ellinger, get beat today by Heineke. Irsay said he wants to watch him play all year long, though. At home. I mean, sorry, that's what Frank Reich said, not Irsay. Um, but I guess are, are you really going to let a coach that you might fire go? Go. You you traded picks for Carson. You went and got Matt Ryan. Are you going to let him go get Derek Carr? Now, I, now I could see, but the flip side, maybe Ursay just maybe Ursay thinks like I like this guy, man. Remember Derek beat him in uh, on Christmas last year in Indy, made the sweet play. Ursay might like him and think, how you know, when are we going to get? Well, what's their pick situation? What's Indy's pick situation? You see, Derek averaged like three yards a pass today. I mean, uh, it was. I did not see that. I do know that he Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback when they passed midfield. Ahmed says they have uh, he has a no trade clause. Maybe you're right. Forgot about that. Does he? I would just say, hey, Derek, you're not. We don't want you to be here anymore. We're I'm kind of you. of the opinion if a team wants to trade you in football, it's one thing in basketball where you could just you you know you're making so much money. I, I guess Derek could do the holdout. Like I'm just not showing up. He's made a lot of money. I'm I'm only going to play for the Packers or something. I don't know. Has anyone ever become an incredible story from drugs? addiction to stardom and then feel like once he became a star, he kind of just tapped out, like doesn't even try anymore. Like what, what the fuck is Waller Darryl, doesn't play? Is Waller even in the NFL? Like what? Well, I don't, I, he's hurt. Is he though? Like it just feels well, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got, it's not, here's the thing with Waller, John, it's not like Waller has 70 million guaranteed coming to him. Now you could argue, Hey, if all of, if I told anybody 22 million guaranteed coming to you, you're 19. I think his number's like 19 or 20. Guaranteed, meaning like even if they cut him next year and his dead cap is like eight million, he's getting nineteen or twenty. I mean, some people, if you're just over it, twenty million, you're like, I don't need fifty. I could just get twenty. But there is money to be made, right, on his contract if he plays, as opposed to just getting the minimum amount of guaranteed dollars. 
I don't know what the difference would be. He's a tight end, so it's not like the contract's worth $70 million. If the draft was tomorrow, one, two, three, four, five, six, the Raiders would be drafting seventh. That was not the plan heading into November when Josh McDaniels was hired in January, right? If I would have told you you'd 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 be you'd have the seventh worst record in the NFL heading uh headed the second half of the season, going into the Jags game, week, whatever this is, nine. They'd be like, bullshit. If I would have tweeted this out all spring, Raider Twitter would have burned down my account. In fairness, it would have sounded kind of crazy, right? They just won 10 games. They were it would have been hard to fathom. They had everyone coming back. They added, especially after the Devontae trade. They stink. Wasn't this a thing before? Like, weren't did they used to be really terrible in November? Del Rio, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Waller, John, Waller's contract's worth 51 million. So you know, if he only makes, but the the gear the total guarantee is 22. Can I tell you the teams that have the same amount of wins they do? The Steelers, the Jags, the Browns, the Bears and Saints have more wins. Well, I mean, the Saints just beat them 24 to nothing. So um wait, so who are the six that'd be that who are the five drafting ahead of them? The Steelers. Uh, the Browns are two and five. Jags. Who I think play tomorrow, I think. The Jags, Steelers, Panthers, and then obviously the Texans and Lions holding down the the fort there Mm. with one win. God, Lions Lions are like one player away from being a division winner, and yet somehow are a one win team. I mean, I I, I'm a little stunned with how shitty the Raiders are. Um, I am too. I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd be good. (laughs) Not great, but um. Better than Denver, which they're not. No, they're not. They're three and five. Now Denver's played one more game than them, but um, uh, interestingly, the Raiders and the Broncos each have the same exact number of net. They are both minus eleven in points on the season. They have exact same. Do you think points. he's ever going to stop saying "Let's ride"? Or is he going to say that in infinity no, until I he think gets it's good? I think it's until he's got another slogan. It's "Let's ride." And then he just tries to monetize it with shirts if they're ever good. Let's ride. Which I was talking to somebody, a buddy of mine who works in college athletics the other day, because he was like, you know, are any somebody should check, are any of these college athletes making any money on their logos? Uh, because you know, every guy gets a logo and you can sell your merch and whatever. And I said, I doubt, I doubt there's if anyone's making much, I mean it's a small number of guys because most pro athletes don't make money on their logos. Russell Wilson, you can go to like the whatever lids or uh, what's the Sixers guy's site fanatics. You can buy, you could Google Russell Wilson and you could buy Russell Wilson's logo hat. Now he might get a cut of every hat sold though. But my point is how many hats are getting sold? Well, not Russell's none. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying like, pick another guy. Like these guys, if Russell Wilson's not making money on hats, well, what, what color here, here's Russell's hat, four different colors, $32 lids.com. No, that's a freebie. But pick other guys like who who and nobody's making money off of these logos. Pro athletes aren't making money. Uh, now you might buy Damian Lillard shoes, but are you buying Damian Lillard logo hats? I would guess not. Most people are not buying that. Yeah, the personal logo just is not a money maker. I don't think is no. my point. Sorry, separate topic. No, I agree. I mean, when you think about like what's the biggest personal, like Barstool is not a personal brand, right? It's a company no. brand. Yeah. Well, Brady. Well, Brady, TB12. TB12 would be the one. But even then, how many 
hats is he really selling? Well, I bet not that many. No. I don't think any holds a candle to like company brands, right? right. Like Adidas, Nike. I, I think Barstool is like a new age that you were just, I stumble into, into it a lot in Arizona. Like people just wearing a Barstool shirt or Barstool hat. Barstool uh, was big, obviously, with, in golf, like the head covers, just like a Barstool yeah. head cover. Yeah. But like seen bar, a lot of those. when you say Barstool, like for that guy, he's not like, it doesn't just like, well, I'm a, this is for Dave Portnoy, or this is because of PFT. It's just the brand. It, it, honestly, it's a good looking Logo. It's a really good looking logo. <laughs> it yeah. looks good, and it's an yeah. easy brand. Just like a lot of brands are company brands. Like you're right. I didn't even think about the individual. Like no one's well, buying like Tiger Caleb Williams. T- Tiger, the difference with Tiger is Tiger wears he that it, you are buying the golf shirt that Tiger golf's in. You are buying the hat that Tiger golf's in. Tom Brady does not golf in his TB12 hat. Right? No, you're not it, buying it, the on-field basketball shoes are different because you're buying the basketball shoes. They're sneakers. You can just wear them. And the difference, too, is like it's still like it's I'm buying a TW shirt, but it's also a Nike polo. Right. Like, yeah, that too. Like for me, like I wear the Tiger Woods hats. I have three different colors, partly because I'm bald. And when I play golf, well, they're great hats. Yeah. First and foremost. They're like you said, he he is very loyal. He's very loyal to that hat. Like he wears the shit out of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, PJ Walker, John, to DJ Moore, 68 yards to tie the game. DJ Moore takes his helmet off, runs around, 12 seconds left. So poor Cairo Santos has to make a whatever. What would it turn out being a 37 well, yard field goal? Well, no, it got a 15 yard penalty, right? That's what I mean. So so it was a 32 yarder plus 15. So it's yeah, a, I think it was, it was a long field goal. Yeah, sorry, 52. I did the math wrong. 52. For the point after, awful. Uh, no sympathy. I, I have none for DJ Moore. Like we all know that this rule's been along for so long we know the rule it's a dumb rule maybe you cannot we all know the rule you can't do it no sympathy i i my issue i think it's pretty stupid i get is the rule if they're part of it there's still time left on the clock now whoever was oh it's jonathan vilma he's like you gotta act like you've been there before it's like jonathan the fucking guy's been in the league for three years his team has sucked He's literally playing for an interim head coach and PJ Walker threw him the ball. He's never been there before. Also went to Maryland. Probably was not there a lot. With no. The and I would say there, they win that game. They're going to be in first place. Like there was a lot. Of, it was like a hail Mary to win the game. Like stupid. Yes. I, I, I don't, I have some sympathy for the guy now late in the game. He dropped a pass that would have, uh, that could have helped him win the game. He missed another kick. I know. DJ Moore didn't, but the kicker missed another yeah. kick in overtime. I know. It was awful. But it's weird because you're like, see, you don't want to trade DJ. But the other hand, you're really pissed at him if you're the Panthers. That, that game was fun. It was a really good game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eagles now 7-0. and Steelers are 2-6 and after uh, that blowout today in Philly. Safe to say that that record of Tomlin's never been under 500 is coming to an end. It is. But, I mean, pretty good run. And when you watch this thing, you go, maybe just put – the running back on the shelf, just preserve him for next season. It's really pitiful. I hate watching good running backs on shitty teams like Saquon for so many years. It's just such a waste. It's pretty fun to watch AJ Brown on good teams, though. I mean, he's changed. I mean, you know, you know he's not going to win the MVP, but I don't think there's any question he is one of the most valuable players in the NFL. He goes from the Titans. You see that what the Titans scored today, 17. Yeah. AJ Brown had six for 156 and three touchdowns. He's a monster. 
He's good. I mean, it's just – I mean, guy, Jalen's pretty good. I mean, through four touchdowns, 285 yards. His ball – I mean, those touchdown passes to A.J. Brown were gorgeous, weren't they? Just the ball flight. He throws it beautiful. He's so compact. Jalen Hurts is – I love watching Jalen throw. Yeah. They look uh, – I did hear a gambling guy say that, you know, once they beat the Cowboys – they are favored in every game moving forward. Like they are just from the math. I mean, they are probably looking at, at worst, I would say 14 and three means they have some weird losses. I mean, are they, are we talking about a 15 and two team? And one of those losses, they just pull off the dogs week 18 or whatever, even though it's a hard game to play, right? You sit everyone and then you get a bye week. That's a long, yeah. Separating, you know, with the then you're playing a team more than likely that's had to play some meaningful football the last couple of weeks and then won a game, a lot more momentum. We saw the Niners take advantage of the Packers that way. The problem could be, and I don't think the Giants are good enough, so I don't think this is going to be a problem, but they play the Giants week 18, right? When you have two teams that kind of have their, it's one thing when you're playing, the other team is playing their asses off, but let's just say the Giants have their wild card wrapped up, but are not going to win the NFC East. Then they uh, may, yeah. Oh, I don't think they're going, I don't think, I think the Giants might still miss the playoffs. Uh, Eagles' schedule is Texans, Commanders, Colts. That's their next three. Texans, well, the, Commanders, Colts. How about Commanders? Kind of alive. That's the only division where every team in the league is 500 or better. I mean, their record by, relative to the other division is probably not even close, right? Commanders are 4-4 four four right now? Yeah. What's the – I mean, the combined record of the teams, 4-4. Four and four. You have uh, the Cowboys and the Giants are now both 6-2. and two, And then Commanders – like, they are well above 500 as a division, right? Yeah, I mean – it's seven and oh six and two six and two so that's uh four and four. So that's ten and six plus uh six is sixteen and eight plus seven is twenty three and eight i think i did that right you say sixteen plus seven or eighteen 16, plus oh yeah sixteen plus seven yes twenty three so twenty three and eight it's a powerhouse division right now wow nfc east who knew I mean, the Bears-Cowboys game was close. I don't know. Did you see much of that game Sunday? But Well, the Bears uh, were getting their ass kicked, and then they kind of came back, you know? Uh, yeah, well, they scored 21 in the third quarter, the Bears. But the Cowboys were up big when they were when they were coming back. Or fourth quarter. Oh, sorry. Wrong box score. Hold on. I mean, it was, what, 28, eh, 28-17 at the half? But then the Cowboys scored, I think, in the second half right away. It, it was – they were up several scores when I watched – I mean, at one point in time, it was like, what was the final score? 49-29. Yeah. But at one point, it was – it was the Bears kicked a field goal in the third quarter, and it was 28-23 at the end of the third. And um, – or maybe not the end of the third, middle of the third. So, Packers-Bills, kind of a good game. Uh, Bulldogs, Jake Hanner back last night. Just shout out to Jake Hanner. Big comeback win. Touchdown onside, a touchdown two point onside touchdown. No dogs down. The magic, the magic is back, John, on Bulldog Lane. Uh, best nickname I saw this weekend. Not that this is a category. Nickname for Kyrie. World member World Be Free is a name, a former ABA player. Did you see this one? Someone called him World Be Flat. Oh, that was pretty good. That's not bad. Here's. My, my take is when you say LeBron or Kyrie, and then it's going to lead into like their thoughts or what they're doing now, I immediately go swipe the other way. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to listen, watch the story, click on the story. Simply put, I don't give a fuck. So Kyrie, for example, like I somehow I clicked on his press conference 
And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know one human being, one rational human being that gives a shit what this guy thinks, says, is doing. And then you start listening to him talking like, why did I waste two minutes just listening to this guy? Like, what? I can't believe. But him and Friedel got in a pretty good back and forth. I, well, oh, I I, I, <laughs> I I normally don't seek out anything he says. I, I never have, probably. But that one I looked for. Yeah. And Friedel I was won. unimpressed with Kyrie's performance. I'll put it that way. Well, but of course, have you watched him talk for a while? Like, I just, not much. I'm out. No, I avoid it. But because I know I'm not going to be. But that one was... You know, what, what's he talking guy. about? Well, there's just nothing like the guy who acts like the smartest guy in the room, but then can't actually have a doesn't want to have a debate about it. Um, he, he found his name in Hebrew and then he searched it on Amazon Prime. Did you see that part? No, <laughs> that's how he found the movie. He claimed because oh. Kyrie in Hebrew means something. So he typed it in Amazon Prime. You know, it's like I, I, I can't. Honestly, I was disappointed in myself for watching it, but I'm glad that I saw the Fredell back and forth about you just want to clip this to Instagram. <laughs> I was like, you know, he's kind of right there, even though I don't think Fredell uh, is necessarily doing it on that one. I don't know, but his point is Kyrie's wrong, but ultimately it does get clipped to like what he's talking. About. It ends up there, and then becomes but it's good. It's ending up there anyway. So um, they're one in five. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I decided, John, that I'm my nets anymore. I, I forgot to mention that to you. <laughs> Lakers last winless team in the league. They are. Did you see the clip that somebody tagged us in of uh, of uh, Rob Lowe? I mean, um, what's his name? Michael Penix. Uh, oh, uh, Polinka. Polinka. <laughs> Talk, talking to the team about Chip, I, the championship. Did you see that whole video? Did you watch that thing? <laughs> That like was that this year? Like talking to this team? You know, might have been. I I didn't do any digging on it, but it made me laugh. I was thinking, and listen, I LeBron. I I once was a huge LeBron guy. He just annoys me now. If I was in his shoes, like him specifically, I don't give a shit about Anthony Davis, what he thinks of that, or Russell Westbrook. If you're LeBron, like you had to be like, am I in Bizarro Land? Am I in Bizarro World? Is this guy my general manager? who was a rotational guy at fucking Fab Five 30 years ago, who then was an agent for like Kobe and company, is telling me about championships? Like he's Jerry West Jr.? You know, I I didn't feel sympathy for LeBron having to watch that fucking moron who Jeannie Buss, let's face it, Jeannie Buss is like a mixture of Mark Davis and Dean Spanos, but she has Ramona and ESPN's PR campaign on her side. Like Jeannie Buss is a terrible owner. I mean, awful. Her franchise is in shambles. She's she's lucky that LeBron literally just wants to live in 90210. And this is, listen to the Laker fans. He hates your franchise. Like, hate would be strong. He doesn't give a shit about your franchise. Your franchise is meaningless to him. The colors, like Kobe, Magic, it meant something. It means nothing to LeBron. It means nothing to Clutch. It's just a financial vehicle. He's using Genie. He thinks Palenka's a village idiot. I mean, <laughs> They are going down like the Titanic, and I enjoy it. I saw Cowherd tweet something today like, get LeBron help, which I agree with, but LeBron signed up. LeBron didn't get traded there. LeBron didn't get drafted there. LeBron went into a meeting room with all these people and said, I sign up for this. So I don't have any sympathy for that. Right? Yeah, he like, just resigned for $95 I mean, exactly. million. This is what he signed. This is what he signed into. So get him help. Sure, whatever. This is what he signed up for. 
eyes wide open. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for that. This is not a guy being held hostage by his franchise. He also okay, pushed for Russell Westbrook. No, I will say Anthony that. Davis. I, the one thing I will, the one thing I, I will say, LeBron, like LeBron shows up and plays for the most part, right? Like he's had a long career, and most nights I know if if a game matters, LeBron's going to play his ass. He's going to be there, and he's going to play his ass off. So I on offense. I know, but that's still, I mean, come on. That's the NBA by and large, uh, historically. Anyway, uh, anything else, Dad? I, could the Lakers really go like 10 and 72? That'd be pretty cool. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Because <laughs> these guys are going to not keep playing hard if they, you get to like 0 and 15 if you're LeBron. Like, you can't take games seriously anymore. No, and you're like, you know what? <sighs> Only got so many years left in me. Not worth wasting <laughs> it on this season. Yeah. I LeBron just will be like, on TN, LeBron will be like, on TNT at halftime of a Warrior. Well, he he is game. he is trying to pass what's his name right for the all time leading scorer. So he's gonna oh, okay. he'll play and shoot jumpers, but he ain't like driving dunking on people anymore. Could hurt the career field goal percentage. Uh, we got a game here? No, no. All right, good hair day for Rogers though. Is it? I didn't. See, I haven't seen him. Just I mean, just good flow, you know. All right. On that note, uh, good show. Thanks for hanging, everybody. Share it. Yeah, have a have a week. Let's have a week. I don't think we missed anything, but all right, everybody. Later. Thanks for hanging. Adios. Palooka. Palinka. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.